Today's sponsor is Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove for a free audiobook download. Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're talking about Season 5, Episode 4, titled Slab Town. Not going to make the same joke I did in the instant cast, though I desperately want to. I was going, I'm was i going to applaud <laughs> you for restraint, because I was about to call bullshit on you. Yeah, not going to happen. Can't recycle jokes, man. No, of Just course can't. not. Just can't. Of course Will not. not. Cannot. We have standards. Uh, I have a thrilling dive, diving board analogy, though, later on. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. No. Can't wait for that. No. Uh, okay. Do we have anything to talk about up front before we get into the recap? Well, uh, we can talk about the director and writer. Okay. So uh, the director is uh, Michael E. Satrezimus, who has two credits to his name, Slabtown and The Grove, which I'm pretty sure I harped on last year as well. Uh, when he had a, uh, stop me if you've heard this before, but he had a high concept episode dealing with the deaths of children that really had execution problems across the board. I feel like Slabdown is another high concept episode that had a lot of really great ideas that was derailed by poor execution. Surprise, surprise. It's another basically rookie director. Uh, Pretty much, yeah. Written by Matthew uh, Negrete, I think is how you pronounce their name, and uh, Channing Powell. Interestingly enough, when we first started talking about why, what the problems were last season of Walking Dead, I actually wrote a blog piece called Why Isn't the Walking Dead Better? Because something we always hear is you keep harping, you keep harping, what do you expect, what do you expect, what do you expect? I get that The Walking Dead is a genre piece. It's a zombie piece. Mm -hmm. I don't think that necessarily means it has to suck. I mean, The Game of Thrones is a genre piece. It's all about ice zombies and dragons, and it could be ridiculous, but they take it very seriously. They have very good writers, producers, and directors, very experienced, and they come off about as good as you can expect. Mm -hmm. Here's what I wrote in this blog post last article. Uh... We're t- I'm talking about these both, Channing, pa- uh, uh, Channing Powell and Matthew Negrete. I said that Matthew was last united with Trisha Block for the underwhelming indifference. His writing credits include things like White Collar, but a lot of Power Rangers, Kim Possible, and Timon and Pumbaa. Some of my favorite shows. <laughs> it's, it's nothing to be ashamed of doing afternoon cartoons for kids when you're a working writer, but it's kind sure. of surprising to see someone with so little serious writing experience Working on a show that has massive ratings, makes massive money, has pretensions of being a prestige drama. Again, the guy gets paid for his writing, so kudos, but his resume is Cheap Children's Entertainment and The Walking Dead. (laughs) So, this this is something I wrote last year about these same individuals. Yeah, and Um, it's become a problem again this year. And it's become a problem this time. Why is it? Why is it that this guy has uh, Children's Entertainment and The Walking Dead, Channing Powell basically has 
The Walking Dead. Are you trying to say that The Walking Dead is child's entertainment? No, it shouldn't be. (laughs) I'm saying why is guys like Scott Gimple and Robert Kirkman continually tap these people to work? Is it because they are young, successful people that had very little experience when they broke into their industries and that they kind of have this theory that that's the key for outsider success? Maybe because because when they throw the keys to the kingdom to you know Michelle uh, McLaren, mm-hmm. things go really really well for them. Yeah, Angela Kang got a lot of great writing uh, on the Walking Dead. You, you pair those two up, and it's 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 you've got an all star cast that can carry about any material asked them for. Sure, but you give the keys to Ferrari to the Fresh Prince. And parents just don't understand. <laughs> he's going to you know? wreck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, and what do you expect? You, yeah. I, I, I don't know. So I want to preface all that by saying that everybody that sent, and we get, you know, every time we come out negative, we have a whole bunch of, you know, why do you guys hate the show so much? All that. Ask yourself why on a show that gets this many people watching with this much sponsorships, making this much money, why are you being subjected to first time writers and directors? Yeah. Do you that's, think the show? Think that's a fair question. Even if you think the show is good, do you think it would be better with people that have dozens of? And this is the only show I can say that on. Like I've started doing this. This mm. is now a full year since I started paying attention to writing, directing, and we've gone through like a dozen shows. This is the only show where I can say this person has no screen credits. Except for this show, and on a show that's this big and this popular, it boggles my mind. I, I think shows even, you know, like a Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones or Mad Men, even those get some first-timers, but they're so few and far between. I don't that know. The single miss that they might produce is not going to ruin a show. Like I, that. I, I don't even know if you're right, because I'd have to go I know that's all... right on Breaking Bad. Really? There's I, somebody I who's a, right. very, a, a first-time director. Well, I... This guy's not a first-time director, right? This well, guy, he's been a, he's been a, a, a cameraman uh, and a, 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 a director of photography. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking of the which the is Kim, not the Kim Possible. Okay, guy. okay, he's not a first-time writer. writer. He's written a lot of stuff. It's just not in the same same ball genre. Park. Yeah, it's right. not 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 in the big leagues. I'd say sure. You know, but I don't know. There's a little nepotism here too because one um, Channing and Matthew worked together on White Collar, which. You know, that's oh, that other shared show. I, I get that, but like, it's one like, thing. It's 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 one thing where you let that happen, and it's kind of vetted through someone with a strong sense of what he wants in his writer room, like a you know a Vince Gilligan. It's another thing when you've given the uh, inmate the asylum over to the inmates, and just everybody's just a free for all. Yeah, I worked with him once. I vouch for him. And hmm. again, this is all armchair show running. Yeah, I want to say I don't. I'm not going to put too much weight behind this theory because. I don't know the circumstances around all of this. Like maybe Scott Gimple, you know, was really impressed with an episode of Kim Possible and right. said, I need to bring this guy on. Both of these guys could be did fantastic work on White Collar. I want to bring him in. I just don't know. So like I don't I, think, I don't want to state too much support for that. Idea. I, I, I think it's a strong theory, is all I'm saying. <laughs> The the it's pattern matching at its finest, certainly. Yeah. I forget what Tony like, Dungy used to say about the Colts, like, you know, one time is an aberration yeah. two, twice is a pattern three is a trend like we're on our set we're on the pattern stage well, now it's it's the fool me one shame on me thing, yeah, yeah right yeah. so anyway so that's that's the background for what we see with slapdown because again i will say that i watched this thing three times okay 
and and I'm I keep continuing to get an appreciation for some of the rather high concept things they were trying to do here, and I think they did a lot of really interesting callbacks to season one, a lot of really interesting thematic stuff with the relationship of Beth and Joan as it relates to Gorman, mm-hmm. and some things that were downright brilliant in visual storytelling. However, the connective tissue was such and the way the the order of the shots and some of the ways that we saw shots just didn't make sense and left a lot of first time viewers scratching their head. Me included. Like I didn't get myself too. There was a lot of big holes I didn't understand that I've kind of pieced together watching a couple times and reading feedback and all that. But yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't don't know. Um, I like it. A lot more than I did the first time. <laughs> Having said that, it's, it's still, still not good. It's still a bottom five episode for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's way down there. Uh, why don't we get into the recap and talk about some specifics? Let's yeah. do it. All right. We start off with Beth waking up in the hospital. It's the lost uh, shot. It is. Well, kind of. You know, the lost shot is zoom in on one single eye and pull out. Mm. Uh, this, yeah, two this eyes. Is, yeah, this is a little bit, a little pulled out from where we start with loss. Two eyes, twice the dramatic tension. <laughs> I think that's uh, the playbook that uh, uh, Matthew... Well, two eyes, twice the budget, right? I mean, they couldn't have done two eyes and loss. They just didn't have the budget for that pilot. No, heck no. So... It was already touch and go. <laughs> you put two eyes in there, boom. Yeah. Budget and over plus you got to put a smoke monster in the eyes, and it's like... Yeah. Yeah. That's some <laughs> scary shit right there, budget-wise. Uh, anyway, so she wakes up. She's got a broken wrist, cut on her face. She looks out the window, and she finds out she's in Atlanta, and it looks like a hellscape. Uh, well, kind of. It looks like a mild hellscape. She then knocks on the door and starts screaming, and then Stephen and Dawn come in to fill her in on how she got there. I also want to say that I like I, – I, I'm, I'm not a Beth hater. You, you and I, I think, both like The Still, which is sure. one of the yeah. you know pe- things that absolutely set people's t- teeth on edge. I thought they've made her an interesting enough character, something I talked about in the spoiler section last week, that I wasn't afraid that she just couldn't carry the material in the face of it. Yeah. And I thought that they did, you know, uh, her arc where she's gone from scared, suicidal girl to, you know, you can kind of see her develop with Daryl, um, you know, last season when she said, I'm getting pretty good. Soon I won't even need you. <laughs> now uh, she doesn't have him. This is the test. I can't, sure. do you need him or not? Are you going to be strong enough to stand on your own? That's a really great character arc to yeah. put someone on. Good it's, continuation it's, for story. You're making the best you can with what you were handed with at the end of season three, if you're the Gimple, right? With Beth. Uh, because it was... Yeah, yeah. her locking herself yeah. in, in the bathroom and her trying to kill herself and Andrew being complicit with that and, and the doodlebug, doodle, doodlebug. There, that, that's a lot of character damage to, to, to deal with. Sure. We made a lot of fun of Beth in previous seasons. Certainly. So I feel like that they're really trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit, mostly successfully. Uh-huh. So I just say coming in this episode, there's no reason why this couldn't have worked. Sure. Sure. Uh, Yeah, I think it comes down to execution mostly. Um, Anyway, so there's a scene where she's looking at a clock. I don't know if the time has any significance beyond like, oh, shit, I missed 420, like streak broken. (laughs) Right. God damn it. Uh, (laughs) Then they ask, uh, can you remember your name? Do you think Beth doesn't remember her name here, or does she not say it in order to not give away information? What does she say? She doesn't say anything. No, she asked no, him a question back. No, no, no. She, she totally says Beth. No, yeah, I don't she think totally so. does. She totally does. I didn't hear that. I it's All yeah, right. she she Maybe answers I'm wrong Beth. About that. <laughs> 
anyway, so then they say, like, uh, we saved you, you owe us. And I felt like this was supposed to set, like, this ominous tone sure. going out of the the open into the theme. It didn't really work because the it was such heavy-handed dialogue right off the bat in an episode where you don't have bearings yet yeah. at all. Right. Um, the other it thing didn't is, work for me. The other thing is you've got the doctor who looks like Anthony Daniel or yeah Anthony Daniels on a week long bender on ER. I buy him as a post apocalyptic but feel, still uh, reputable doctor in a fairly well run establishment. It seemed a little hard for me to believe that this woman's trotting around in her dress blues, shiny badge, shiny shoes, perfectly functional police radio, got her baton, got her handcuffs. She's just spitting polish in the zombie apocalypse. Why is that hard to believe? It just, I, I don't know. I mean, when I saw it, it just looked like something like Stepford Wivey. And maybe that's well, that the, was whole... the whole point of this hospital, right? Is to say that this is a sanctuary from the outside. Look how we're mopping the floors and we've got these clean clothes and everything's done in an orderly fashion. And they well, make a so point to say she's a very neat person. What I'm saying is like that felt like then the rushing of the uh unhinged stuff happened way too quickly it did and that's the problem i have with the very ominous right, right. you owe us something so i'm saying like you're like, taking you're taking the time to set up this world and the spit and polish and all this and, and paying attention to that that particular aspect of this person character which is fine mm-hmm. but then you're throwing it all away with the story the actual storytelling you're trying to do yeah you're probably right uh anyway so we move on to steven's tour of the hospital uh, during which he kills a man. Yep. Uh, puts him down. Then we get a musical section where Beth sees, you know, some of that spit and polish that the we were talking about. The to the old corpse hole. <laughs> yep. And then they wheel the dead man down to the elevator shaft and they drop him down. Uh, all the while he's explaining kind of why, they, why they're doing what they're doing um, and kind of getting Beth acclimated to her new situation and there's the you know the kind of pretty girl who the haunted look in her eye that when beth makes eye contact she slams the door in her face a lot of things saying there's stuff that's not right here yeah i felt like maybe like you said they rushed it a little bit um when you have a full hour to explore that Mm -hmm. i like okay i could see them going that way if they were going to spend half this episode with another group but they spent the whole episode with beth i feel like it would need a little more of a slow burn mm-hmm. to really affect us the way that they wanted it to. Right. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, the, he mentions, Stephen mentions in this scene that they have the stairwells guarded and blocked off. Uh, and that's why, you know, the, the walkers are not able to get in. And the only place they have to access them is the elevator shaft. Right. So I, I was pretty harsh on their plan to leave through the elevator shaft but if you think, okay, they've got guys g- actively guarding all of the stairwells, mm-hmm. maybe it makes a little more sense. Maybe it is literally the only way out of this place without getting spotted. Well, it's funny because uh, Noah, later on the episode, doesn't say this is our only option. He says it's the quickest way out. Yes. So, but I agree on subsequent watches, it seems like that that plan, the execution of the plan is lacking. But the plan itself to, to rappel down uh, the elevator shaft wasn't ridiculous on the face of it. I mean, it is because, you it's know, there's suicidal. as much danger down there as there is. Right. You know, just distracting. Like Noah being, like, falling down in a hallway and saying, oh, I hurt my leg. Can you help me out, buddy? And then Beth charges past when the guard turns his back or something. Right. Yeah. I there mean, are better plans to be had. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. No, I... Set off a fire alarm, right? Yeah. Like... 
Yeah. But that's the other thing. It's like they make the snap. You know, Noah's been biding his time for a year, and I understand mm-hmm. he just got roughed up. Yeah. But it does seem like, hey, we've made the decision to, to, to fly the coop. Yeah. Maybe we spend more than an afternoon planning it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It was at, it was kind of after Beth got uh, really understood what she was up against here that she decided she went to Noah and she said, okay, I'm in. Let's get out of here. Well, that's the thing. Like Beth is on a rape clock here. Yeah. Like it's very clear that this is not just a problem by the end of the episode. Anyway, it's not just a problem with uh, Gorman. Yeah. All of the wards are responsible for making the officers happy so they can continue, you know, protecting us, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And if, if Beth just hangs around and plots and plans, then she's going to be, you know, set up for that too. And I think that they've set sure. her character up that strong enough that like, that's just not going to something she's going to put up with. She'd rather yeah. go on a suicide mission. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that Noah as kind of, when you compare his behavior to the doctor, I think it's interesting that he decided to go all in on the plan too. I understand why it's important for Beth. I don't understand why it's so important for Noah. Yeah. No, Except right. for maybe um, he's just a really good dude. And yeah, and he sees a strength in Beth, and he's been waiting for his moment. Yeah, it just hasn't come yet. And you, you got to wonder if it would ever come, right? right. It, it felt very much to me like uh, this whole idea of indentured servitude, aka slavery, mm-hmm. uh, was just keeping him there. And they do point, and they he do... had some kind of hope that he was going to work it off eventually. Yeah, and if you read between the lines, there's a lot of they're they're, they're laying this groundwork of you know, my God, they're. Um, this is all coming unhinged. Like Dawn is bad, but she's a hell of a lot better than, you know, what had happened if Gorman took over one of the other police officers and she's kind of losing control slowly. So maybe he sees this as, as a problem for him too, that like he has to cut and run now. If he waits much longer, it could be too late. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, Anyway, so Beth goes to get some food in the cafeteria and she meets the aforementioned Gorman who is apparently the one who saved her, you know, as he tells the story. Sure. Saved her. Uh, Getting creepy right off the bat. Right off the bat. He says, you know, Walker was high on your thighs when we found you. He's got, like, this disturbing look in his eye. But I got there first. Yeah, but I got high on your thighs first. Uh, It makes you wonder how much he actually saved her. I I think he was eyeing his thighs, not getting high on the thighs, but... uh... Maybe, maybe these first-time writers were just trying a new tr- uh, a turn of phrase. High get, on the thighs? Get high on the thigh supply. See, I I was thinking, like, the walker was crawling up her body to eat her brains. No, no, right. Getting, I get you. Okay. I get what you're going. I just right. respectfully disagree with your interpretation. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> uh, he also says, you know, he makes a comment about writing down what she's taking and everything costs something, doesn't it? And I just felt like this was so schlocky. Like the way this dialogue and these concepts were presented was just amateur. Let me, okay. It just didn't feel right. You're, you're, you're begging for me to read some listener feedback that I got sure. that's relevant towards this. I was going to wait towards the end. I'm, now I'm going to bring it all. See what you've done. I know. I've derailed the show already. You've, you've made me bring it to, to the beginning of this stuff. Uh, Jesus, let me see if I can find it. Um, man, I just saw it. 
Oh, yeah. So Rachel H. said, This episode had a Twilight Zone feel to it, but with a schlocky B-horror movie execution. Some Redditors posited that this was a direct homage to Romero's Day of the Dead. You guys are experts on that, so what say you? You are the Romero expert, Jim. Do you think this is an intentional homage? To some of the schlockier Romero, and it's there's tons, scads of social commentary. Half uh, of it didn't even connect, but it was there. Maybe. I mean, I could potentially see pieces of this episode that are comparable to Day of the Dead. Um, in Day of the Dead, for those who don't know, there is a group of survivors uh, hunkered down in an underground military base. I think it might be a silo or something. Um and the the military element there is uh, they are a lot like these guys um you know they're basically these primal dudes just ready to explode at any moment uh and sarah who is the main character um kind of the the peacekeeper there is trying to keep it all together and i think if she were anybody in this situation she'd be beth um, and there was definitely a strength about her, as, really? as Noah noted. That? You don't see her as being more of a Don role, the peacekeeper trying to keep everything together? No, because she was not complicit in these acts. She was fighting against them the entire time. She was not trying to justify anything that was happening. Whereas then you've got the scientist element, which is nowhere to be found in this, I don't think. Um, the The doctor in that is looking for a cure he's not just you know trying to wait it out and everything he's he's actively searching yeah Yeah, he's actively searching for a cure he's uh, a little crazy (laughs) uh he's trying to tame the zombies rather than just avoid them i don't know there there are some parallels but not much in this scene i thought it was made. I mean, obviously Gorman just is—he's chewing the scenery like he wants to chew Beth's thighs. Yep. <laughs> and I thought that was a little bit. Uh, Gorman might have needed to be a little bit more like charming, like before he, he became completely deranged governor. Well, I think like, he's gone a little mad with power, right? Like he knows he's not going to be checked on any of this yeah, because, but, because Dawn apparently just yeah. lets him do whatever the hell he wants. He's running. She's the, the pimp of this, this Grady's memorial. Yeah, um, but I, I don't know. I I thought it was also made very clear by the time the end of the episode that Gorman did not rescue her. She was doing fine. He actually clubbed her. Potentially, yeah. The evidence I cite is that when we saw a instance of police club brutality at the end with Dawn, the scar, the the uh, the wound she gave is almost visually identical <laughs> to the one she shows up with with minor head trauma. You you mean a really sloppy stitching job from a presumed doctor? Yeah, and I think we're supposed to <laughs> connect the dots that she didn't get saved from shit. She got abducted because she was a pretty girl on her own. Yeah, and this is a roving roving rape game. I mean, they they also tried like it doesn't make sense that you have an undermanned, understaffed hospital. And the, the detectives are ranging that far to the countryside. Like I said last episode, we're like sixty miles outside of Atlanta. They, they lampshade this by saying that oh, we had a we had a, a a lead about some guys, and they're clearly trying to talk about Joe and his gang of thugs. Okay. So they they at least are trying to deal with it in the episode, but still, I'm calling a little bit of bullshit because I just don't buy that these guys are making sixty seventy mile runs at night. <laughs> yeah into the hinterlands of, of atlanta it seems like a bad idea to say the least yeah i mean from a gas usage perspective i mean i understand they're they're 
There's a lot of shit in Atlanta. I'm sure that Atlanta still. Don't you think that there's still people coming into Atlanta? Do these. I, I don't know. That's not, the thing. Like, uh, certainly there are a few people left alive in Atlanta. Do they have no idea about Terminus? Do they have no idea about Woodbury? Probably not. I don't How know. How is that possible? Termin- especially Terminus. How is it possible that they didn't have a knowledge of Terminus with them hanging up signs and flyers and all that kind of stuff? Uh, for some reason, I feel like in the show, Terminus is meant to be much farther away from Atlanta than Terminus actually is in Atlanta. Huh. So, like, I'm, I'm getting this idea of Terminus being out of the way, whereas in reality, Terminus is downtown Atlanta. You well, go a couple of miles outside Atlanta, of skyscrapers. would have that many railroads yeah. leading up to it. I, I feel like that even in that universe, are they saying that there's some kind of railroad megalith or me- megalith I mean, that's... Yeah, I think that's what they were that trying to say. To that happens to be significantly far away from Atlanta. I feel like that's what they were saying. Yeah. The map actually made it explicit that this was Atlanta going into Atlanta. Maybe it does. I don't know. Anyway, those are some others. Like again, and I, and if they do, who? What? What's your point? Like my point is, it just I don't know what this, these cops' missions mission is. Obviously, they're out to get supply runs. They are talking about like they're trying to hunt down bad guys. They're trying to restore law and order. Uh, I feel like they'd have their hands full. Hospital, you know the zombies. Also, how do they get in and out of the hospital? I mean, the the Uh, parking lot that they go out and get their cars in is overrun by zombies all the time by design. Yeah, that's the garbage disposal system. Yeah, they lure all the walkers into the parking lot where I don't know every single time they get keys. Yes, apparently they have to clear the yard. The lot of walkers. I mean, they have a nice fence that's established, but it's got a giant gaping hole. Yep, perfect for a zombie to wriggle through. None of that setup makes sense. No. None of it. Not a damn bit. Uh, all right. Anyway, Don then tells Noah, hey, wash my clothes. And she's got a very specific manner in which she likes them washed. Yes. Noah is well aware of that, as yes. we see. And then. It's like a sitcom at this stage. Uh, yes. We need a laugh track right there. <laughs> Uh, Beth brings some. And separated. Oh. Uh, Beth brings the food that she got into uh, Stephen's office. And he's bored. But he thinks he kind of thinks that Beth's awesome. Uh, doesn't have a problem with Beth. I have a question. So Gorman made a big cho- point of, hey, uh, you know, be, be grateful to me, or I'll write down all the food you're taking. Mm-hmm. Clearly, she's taking food for the doctor. Yeah. Why did Beth just stonewall him on that? Why didn't she say, this is for Dr. Steven, jackass, and then take off? Because now I feel like all of this breakfast that she's bringing to this dude, that mm-hmm. she's ostensibly not... It's on her tab. It's it's on her tab, so what the fuck? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I, I feel like she maybe doesn't know the degree to which she has to work this stuff off yet. Oh, so if you're right? part of the social and political power structure, you should just, you know... Just go willy-nilly about your day. No, I feel like that comment doesn't mean much to her yet. Really? Like, everything costs something. It's kind of just like an asshole thing to say at that point to her. Not oh, like so a, you are actually paying for this, this food. It's like a literal company store situation. Yeah, yeah. I made a joke on uh, Facebook that you, uh, you eat 16 games, <laughs> what do you get? Another day old and St. Peter, don't call me. Yeah. Because I'm going to turn my back on you. 
Yeah. Uh, anyway. Ooh. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so Stephen explains. Meaningful connection with the material, Jim. What the hell are we doing here? I don't know. This is, this is not The Watching Dead anymore. Uh, Stephen explains that the they only eat guinea pig here. That is the only thing they subsist on. Uh, Beth tries some and she doesn't really like it. But she doesn't hate it. She's just like, meh. Yeah. It's meat. Parker's too good to eat dog food. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, it is they, they would eat guinea pig. They eat squirrel all the time. I kind of like a lot of survival stuff. Like, I might mm-hmm. started spinning like guinea pig. Guinea pig is probably a goddamn ideal source of protein. Yeah. And they have nice little rooftop terrace gardens. And there's like a lot of like hardcore <laughs> group survival stuff that I was really digging. I wish we could see more of. I felt like. Uh, uh, the, the, the scientists in the Jurassic Park, you know, they're just walking past all these. I'm like, wait, I get off this crazy ride. I don't give a shit about Gorman. I don't give a shit about Beth. I want to see the t- chaos theory. Goddamn it! Yes. I need Jeff Goldblum here to help me break this ride. Yep. So I can get off this crazy train. Uh, for sure. I thought their garden up upstairs was a little lackluster, but really, we'll get there. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Jim, not not giving a shit about the victory garden. Growing growing more stuff indoors than you do outdoors seems silly to me, but you know, <laughs> right. that's that's just me. You got it's Atlanta. You've got sunshine like multiple months, and you can have yep. greenhouse. You can build greenhouses up there. It's been a year and a half. Exactly. Years. Yeah. You got hydroponic farms indoors with grow lights. What are you doing? And they're all run off car batteries, apparently. Oh, like some really high grade. Apparently, I, I think so. I think so. Noah's oh, got a no. stash. Uh, in the zombie apocalypse, there's no laws against medicinal uses of marijuana. Zero. And you can tap your head as hard as you want when you when you're on that good road. Technically, if you want to go down that road, I don't think there's laws against rape either. Uh, which it's natural law, Jim? You can't. Okay. Natural law. All right. And they can't get much more natural than him. Uh, anyway, so there's a song playing in here uh, by Junior Kimbrough. I really like Junior Kimbrough, but only by way of the Black Keys. I had never actually heard his stuff. I'd heard uh, an album of covers that they did yeah. of his stuff. I just freaking love, I love that kind of music, man. I don't know why, but it's awesome. It, it feels like it has soul. I, like it has heart to it. Whereas you're, you're the musician. You're the the. I I don't really connect on that level with a lot of stuff. So, huh. all right. Um, anyway, uh, the painting there. Do you have any information on that painting? Apparently, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a Caravaggio, Apparently. and it's it's a uh, the portrayal of Christ. Um, I forget the exact title. It might actually be Betrayal of Christ by Saint I think Peter. It's, uh, Denial of St. Peter? Is it denial? Yeah. So it's yeah. it's literally, um, you know, it's a portion of the Bible where uh, Christ is on trial and the disciples, the apostles are kind of hovering near where this is all going down and trying to keep up on reports. And Quit one, hovering, Peter. Jesus. <laughs> hover, Peter. One of one of the, the apostles, uh, or no, one of the Roman soldiers recognizes him and say, hey, weren't you one of those dudes in the garden? And he goes, no, 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 it wasn't me. And then a woman in the crowd also spotted him, said, no, I I recognize you. You're one of the ones that hangs out with this Jesus guy. Yeah. And he denies him. Jesus prophesied at the Last Supper, which was a painting featured in the last episode, Mm. that Peter would deny him three times before the dawn came, before a cock crowed. He just said, no fucking way, Jesus. He said, said, there's no no way. All these other assholes will leave you, but I'm going to stay. Well, it turns out, you know, when his life was on the line, he denied the Christ. (laughs) Yep. Three times, and then the cock immediately crowed. 
Yeah, yeah, and this is all, you know, these thoughts are being conjured while Stephen is talking about uh, transcendence and being better than animals and the things that we kind of, that, that this colony started out as, yeah. I think, uh, and then, you know, slowly devolved into what it has become today. Uh, so there's a new patient who's wheeled in at this point, and Don seems very keen on saving this one. We don't know why in this scene, uh, but when Stephen can't save him, she gets so angry that she slaps Beth, which makes perfect logical sense. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> I feel like this would have made sense if it happened 10 minutes, just 10 minutes later. Like, after Beth mm-hmm. and him go on the rooftop and he lays the lay of the... Uh, the gives her the lay of the land yeah and it says cl- all that bad shit about don and and it's clear that he's kind of taking a shine to beth yeah but as it is like it was very confusing yeah it is very confusing to both beth and me yeah like why is she getting slapped there doesn't seem to be a a great compelling reason for it i, I did laugh out loud when it happened though <laughs> I thought it was fucking hilarious. Well, Jim, I'm sorry to see you supporting violence against women, but, you know, maybe only can... violence against Beth. Only, only yeah. Beth, only Beth related violence. Yes. All right. <laughs> uh, Again, I, the, the, all the hate mail goes to him. I, I like Beth. <laughs> I think Beth is great. I don't hate Beth as much as I hated uh, some of the other characters. Anyway, so Beth goes into her her room i don't know is this her room does she get a full room at this point how much does she have to pay for that <sighs> like a room in a hospital is fucking expensive i, I mean I, I feel like this is a bordello right what would you call a horse quarters ah fair enough maybe she only maybe she gets to stay there free if she services at least one patrolman i maybe i mean i don't know how disgusting this this plot gets yeah like i want to see the laundry list we should make a laundry list of costs for beth in this hospital stay and post that online. <laughs> yeah, right. Lollipop. <laughs> Three and a half days of, of laundry hard service. Labor. Yeah. yeah hardly. La- oh, gross. Uh, no, that's not what I meant, but you took it there. That's All right. Totally what you meant. Uh, anyway, so she, she finds a lollipop in the new shirt. She thinks that's nice. I'm glad Noah did that. Uh, I buy the doodle bug. A, a child's lollipop would, would bring a smile to her face. Yeah. It's a ray of sunshine in a, on a cloudy day. She's going to write, Dear Diary, just when I thought this place couldn't get any worse, a ray of sunshine burst through in the form of a green, green sour apple. Lollipop. <laughs> uh, so then a couple of cops come dragging a woman into a room, and uh, Beth sees that, and she goes to investigate, and they cut off the lady's arm with Beth's help. This this woman is Joan. I, I don't know if we find out her name here. Is this where we... No, they do say, yeah. They, they say, they, they do say okay. it's Joan, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. She should have said that everything costs something, and the cost is your arm this time. <laughs> You're not going to take an arm and a leg, just an arm. You get a discount. Yeah. And it's clear that Gorman, like, he jumps in there to give her a beating just for, I guess, insolence. Mm-hmm. And you think, huh. But then by the end of the episode, you realize that he considers her his property. Which takes it into a whole yeah, other, that's whole other level. Extra creepy. Yeah, sure. So like this is an interesting episode that rewards multiple watching, but most people's first reaction is, "I never want to see this episode again." Yeah. Uh, also, it doesn't reward multiple watches because there were a couple of yeah. things I was confused by that just aren't explained. Sure, sure. Uh, for one, th- this lollipop. How does Beth make the connection that the lollipop is coming from 
Noah, who she hasn't met yet. She saw down a long hallway mopping. No, he she does. He, he makes the connection explicit later on the episode. I know, I know, but here she gets to smile like she knows that he was the one who put it there. Yeah, like what if that, it, she smiled? Yeah, you're right. Why is she smiling? What if it's Gorman? Exactly. She doesn't even know that Noah does the laundry at this place. Yeah, I, I feel like they might have. They might have mentioned that Noah's left you a fresh shirt. I think that the doctor said that, but I don't. She hasn't really met maybe. Noah, so why? Maybe Noah's a rapist too. How does she know? Yeah. Maybe just that's such a win, sure. a, win a, a flight of whimsy that uh, a person like Gorman's not capable of making. I yeah, I, I feel like that needed to come after the scene where she thanks him for the lollipop, but it couldn't. Because... I'm telling you the the this the sequence in which these shots are done in is not optimal. The, that's they, that's they, a the nice sto- way of putting it. <laughs> the story gets ahead of itself in a lot of areas where things that would have paid off nicely. Maybe this episode had needed to be the rare instance where it needed to be two instead of one. I don't know that there's enough meat on these mm-hmm. bones for that. But as we get into some feedback, I think they could have gone further with some of the social commentary and allegories that they're going and given Beth more to do and really raise the stakes. Maybe not could have, it as much. Maybe they could have stretched it out. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, there again, and maybe they could have, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know because for it's dangerous taking an episode off, off the back of the last three episodes, it has so little action. Let me ask you this, instead of making this a bottle episode, what if they had intercut this over two or three parallel sequences where they're trying to get Beth back and you're following the adventures of um, Daryl and Carol and instead of this all being kind of siloed up. Yeah, I don't know, because if this episode works on its own, then the ending with Carol just makes it even better. Sure. I mean, the, the only one of the few redeeming qualities of this episode was Carol at the end. If you take that out of the equation and you can see that journey the entire time, I don't know if it's as compelling for either of for for best episode here. Yeah. Yeah. Like at the very end. So so you would lose that moment. You'd have to make it up in other ways. Yeah, that's true. So, again, you're you're right. You're exactly right. It's it's fraught with peril to try to muck around with the stuff that, you know, we don't understand. I'm just saying that there. Yeah. uh, Much of the problem seemed like is pacing and sequences of events. Yeah. And two episodes might have like intercut with Daryl and Carol would have had more action in them. Yeah. And given people a little more of what they wanted coming off the last three right. action packed episodes. Like I said, just moving that scene of her getting slapped would have been more meaningful ten minutes and less what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like they were in a hurry. But I feel like they were make... going. Like they were they had their what the fuck pin out and they were purposely writing with it. They just didn't pull it off well enough. Yeah, you might be right. Because a lot of this another... stuff with, like, Joan makes me feel very much like they were going for, what is going on here? Sure. This is weird, but it was so heavy-handed in places yeah. and just awkward dialogue all over the place. Yeah, we'll get to that scene because I have a lot of problems with that as well. Okay. Uh, anyway, so Beth meets Noah here, the apparent mopping and laundry boy, uh, thanks him for the lollipop. And then she asks him about Joan and, you know, about working off the debt. And oh, I, I do want to say that I thought yeah. the, the, the scene where they cut off Joan's arm was pretty effective. The way it's filmed, the music. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, the Beth's reaction to it, the whole, like, you know, the horror of just being held down against her will and your arm sawed off. Uh, that, that, was, that, that actually worked in isolation. They have no better tools. They're in a fucking hospital, and they have no better tools for removing an arm. How do you know that that's not the... 
I mean, I don't know. I don't think they, yeah, that's they, how they, they do it they when they take someone's arm they have off. A bone, they have a bone saw. Yeah, yeah. That's it might a, be ready. Uh, <laughs> they're in a hospital. Do people raid hospitals in the apocalypse for bone saws? Good point. Or is it is it a case of like we need to do this immediately? Maybe right that's the now. fastest way. Like I'm yeah. going to take this. Uh, I forget what you exactly a ring saw. I think is what you call it, and that's yeah, like the fastest thing you can do if it's not going to be anesthetic. Maybe so. Either way, it was horrifying. Uh, yeah. So Noah here tells her um, that he's getting out when the time's right, mm-hmm. and uh, he tells him the story about you know him him and his dad getting taken into this place and them not being able quote unquote, not being able to send uh, to save both of them. And he, he says it's for one reason because his dad was strong. Um, doesn't he say this? Yeah. His dad was strong and he thinks that they He's didn't bigger, want stronger, him around. He would have put up a fight. I felt like it all, it also serves a purpose of keeping the people that they bring in isolated and, and not able, not forming these connections between so uh, the inmates, you know, not so his they can't dad riot. being big and tough. It's just like this is a bond where not only are you strong, yeah. but this guy is a force multiplier for you. You can scheme together. We're going to make sure we yeah. bring people in, not two by two, but one by one. Sure. That's I, I felt not, like that was a good that's that's, that's 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 believable. Sure. Okay. I can get behind that. Uh, and he also mentions that there are walls in Richmond, Virginia, uh, from where he's from. So who knows? Maybe they'll end up going to Richmond at some point. Yeah, it's so there's walls in Richmond implying that there are pockets of other surviving humanity where things aren't fucked up like this. Yeah. Do you think he's told Dawn that? Like, hey, we don't you don't have. I think so. She says there are people out there fighting, you know. So she takes that as even more like proof that what I'm doing is important and yeah. and we got to, you know, keep keep the keep on this course. Yeah, she twists Bob's, you know, this is a nightmare that will end idea into we got to like that justifies the means. Yeah, no no amount of nightmare is not worth it to come yeah. through intact and be able to rebuild society. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what she does. Uh the other question I have is why is Noah out in Georgia? If there are walls in Richmond, what brought him out to Georgia? Like, I'm not saying that's an inconsistency. I'm just questioning, like, why is he here? Why was his father and him so far away that they got picked up by Gorman's roving, presumably quasi-local patrols? A damn good question. Okay. (laughs) One we definitely don't have an answer to. Uh, Anyway, he mentions here, you know, they... They think I'm weak and scrawny when he's talking about uh, saving only him instead of his dad. And they said, they don't know what I am and what you are. Uh, So he sees a lot of strength in Beth. And I think, you know, we've seen that as an audience as well. She has kind of grown into that role. So like you said up front, I think they have set that up appropriately with her character being much stronger than she was in, say, a season two when she slit her wrist. You know, sure. Uh, so Don offers Beth some food and tries to make a case for uh, why she's doing what she's doing. And then, you know, she calls this a nightmare, just like Bob did. And she thinks it's going to end, and there are people re- trying to rebuild. And at the end of the scene, Beth eats the guinea pig. Uh, basically to get her offer back at that point, I thought. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. Uh, this it's, is, the peace treaty breakfast doesn't work because it's just a way for we know already by this point it's a way for her to maintain control and yeah. so does Beth do it 
and so does Beth. So why, you know, what was going to be, what was, what was she going to do if Beth didn't take it? That might've been interesting to explore. Yeah. That's the thing. Like she says, I didn't ask for your help. Right. Uh, and, and then Don comes back with a, you know, if the story is true and Gorman didn't just beat her and take her, um, which is, that's comes not, back with, that, I'm not even going to entertain that because I'm positive that Gorman did beat her and take her. <laughs> okay. But if that story is not true, then what Don says uh, makes a little bit of sense. You know, you needed our help, whether you wanted it or not. It's like, yeah, I, it's like if you, you know, had a heart attack or something at your home, and the paramedics rush in and they save you, and then afterward you say, "I didn't, I didn't ask for your help. Why'd you come in and save me?" Well, you sure. needed it. You're alive now, and unless you have a death wish, you've got to be somewhat grateful for that. You know? Sure. Yeah. Um, so she's kind of right about that, but at the same time, this plate of food that she's offering her is just getting her further in debt Indeed. to Dawn, and she knows what she's doing. It's another 16 tons of guinea pig. <laughs> yep. Right uh, from the company store. Guinea pig's surprisingly dense. You, you would <laughs> never know. 16 tons on that plate. That's why one guinea pig can keep a grown man going for like a week. It's like that Limbus bread shit they had on Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Elrond's back there cooking them guinea pigs up special. Limbus bread. Limbus, Limbus? okay. (laughs) Never heard of it. Yeah, don't fuck with my Middle Earth knowledge, man. I'm not. I'm not. (laughs) I certainly don't have any. Uh, Anyway, I I don't know. This this whole idea here is indentured servitude if you're being kind. Uh, And I just, I want to see the laundry list. I want to see how much Beth owes. Like, if I were Beth, I would say, okay... I don't want any more of your help. How much do I owe? How much am I getting paid here? I'm going to work it off. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Like, tell me what I owe you, and sure. I will give it to you, and I will leave. Yeah, I want to and know. And if you say no, why? Clearly, you have an ulterior motive at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know why she doesn't ask these questions. Because... I would want to be curious. If they were saying you owe us... I would say, what will repay that? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's all good questions. But on the other hand, it's weird to be when you're in this power dynamic and these people are yeah. clearly belligerent. They're going to slap you for no reason. You don't <laughs> want to necessarily set True. them off by asking those questions. Yeah. She was probably worried about another slap. Right. To her bad cheek. Right. Okay. I buy it. Fair enough. So uh, I, I was going to say, because I, I was talking. Uh, what made, when you start talking about this, it made me think. I was talking to somebody who was on probation, and they were expressing the fact they were doing community service, and they didn't know how many hours they had left. <laughs> and I'm like, that seems like something you can ask and your probation officer. And they're like, well, I have, but they say that they are, are they're not any any. Like, there's no, I can't ask a person I'm doing community support for because it's like illegal for them to keep me abreast of how many hours I've put. My probation officer can only tell me, like, on a, like, when I'm done. And they also won't, if you, like, keep independent, you can ask questions and stuff, but you can't be like, here's what my records say. And I'm like, this seems like bullshit. He's like, yeah, but what are you going to do? Piss off your probation officer, rock the boat, make things worse for you. This is the person that's that's determining whether you're complying with the terms of the program. Now, that's just, that's just one thing. Beth is trying to keep from getting raped, trying to get from getting thrown out in the hospital naked. I mean, I think that's another 
point that they're kind of trying to make that when you got this coercive environment, bad shit like this happens and it's you, you sure. feel very powerless. And I definitely felt like even though Beth is a strong person, that she felt a lot of times very powerless to affect changes in her circumstances. Maybe they're going for that. Yeah. So maybe that that seems uh like a fairly disgusting system and, and even in the if, real world. That's what I'm saying. Like even if maybe that maybe that per, maybe that guy was overselling the point. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that the fear was real. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of that system, and you know, I, I think that there maybe a little bit of mm-hmm. what's coming into play here. Okay. Uh, then we go over to Joan's room, and uh, Beth is mopping up, and they have a. It's not just mopping. She's humming. Oh yeah, she's humming. I thought she said she sang, not, uh, and, not hummed. And and uh, was it uh, Joan? Joan says that that's really nice. And then Beth says, "Oh wait, let me get my candles and my guitar." <laughs> no, 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 wait, no, don't encourage her. I already have my arm chopped off. <laughs> what more do you want from me? Yeah, yeah. They, and then they have this really cryptic conversation. Another uh, thing that didn't work. I, I loosely dub it a conversation, even. So you're a you're a woman who survived this brutality to the point that you've tried to escape and you got your arm cut off. You got your arm cut off. There's this fresh faced woman that's not even been here a day. Mm-hmm. You've got the opportunity to lay bare the system for her, and it seems like you're and willing to. Dead, you just kind of play <laughs> verbal tricks with her. Yeah, she came. She came across as like just completely broken and just like, what the fuck is the point of anything anymore? And I don't want. And yet, this is a woman willing to drag herself into an office, open an artery, and scratch yeah. out with her dying words "fuck you" into the floor. How much better would it be to alert the newcomer? Yeah, that there's you, bad shit happening. Do you want to start shit? And this is a person that's willing to start shit and rock the boat. Yeah, even to the point where she's willing to get her arm cut off without anesthetic to spit in her captor's eye. Yep. But she can't oh it just doesn't matter whatever <laughs> you know uh Petrady's platitudes it's easy to make the deal with the devil when you're not the one paying the price can't cry over spilt milk don't count all your eggs in one basket i'm not trying to make light of her situation i just don't understand her character is extremely muddled yeah no it is uh she mentioned some stuff about dawn where she says like she she can control the uh the police force there, but she doesn't because it's easier and because she's a coward, uh, I think. And, uh, you know, she says it's easy to make a deal with the devil when you're not the one paying the price. And th- all of this felt very awkward, very heavy handed, very much like we want to express these concepts, but we don't know how other than a character. Saying, it is interesting that a female cop is organizing the systemic rape Sure. Of a female populace and on behalf of their of of these her fellow male officers. Yeah, uh, that's horrifying, but it's also kind of an interesting um, examination to make, and it's something that you have to kind of be careful with because you could be seen as just you know exploitation and sensationalism. Sure, you know it's kind of same concerns I have with you know, trusting the Walking Dead to handle baby endangerment. The same, I don't know that this show can carry that weight, uh-huh. but they're trying. And oh, yeah. it's not necessarily all holding together and working. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Beth is uh, looking for a lollipop. Oh, for Christ's sake. She Just finds saying. it. She finds it, and she gets to taste it, but not in the way she wants. Uh, Gorman has it. He shows up with it. He puts it in her mouth. Uh, things get very creepy. Uh and then Steven shows up to it, cut the tension with a knife here. 
What I thought the direct the direction and the performance here. Have you seen the Dick in the Box video from sure. SNL? Yeah. There's this one point where I think it's Justin Timberlake, maybe it's Adam Sandberg, is pushing this feather, <laughs> or no, it, it may be a rose into Maya Randolph's uh, or Rudolph's mouth, uh-huh. and she's kind of like. You know, making this kind of, I don't know. It's like if you're Uh pulling your cat's whiskers, that's kind of face they're making. Yeah. That's what Beth was doing the whole, like, is this happening? No, I don't. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Suckers in my mouth now. What the fuck? And this guy's greasy, fat, bloated Ray Liotta face is just (laughs) so satisfied with what he's doing. It is. Yeah. So satisfied and smug with his seduction. Just for yeah. fuck's sake, man. Yeah, you're right to use the word seduction from his side. It's just, I don't know how he's so deluded as to see this as seduction. Like he, I don't know. I he, mean, he's he, getting his rocks off. Certainly, he's, he's, he's getting his getting rocks his off on the power, the power dynamic here. I, I also feel like he's kind of unaware of just how creepy he is like he knows he's about to do some bad do you, shit do you think he's unaware or just he doesn't care or that it's actually adding something to him uh like it's a like little of degrading this woman yeah. is part of the grooming process which also i enjoy no i'm certain yeah that that's okay. part of his mentality there yeah uh yeah, he's and he's getting off on it. Certainly. And I can't tell if he's just really effective in this performance or this is yet another thing that doesn't work because I'm just massively uncomfortable watching it. Yeah, but that's supposed prob- to be. I'm yeah. supposed to be. So yeah, is, he, I, is he doing an awesome job of Gorman? I feel like he was doing a better job than you gave him credit for in the instant cast. Okay. You, you seemed immediately like... This guy was just hamming it up and overacting, and he had like eyeliner on, and he looked like Ray Liotta. And he like, does all those shit, things are true. I know you, you shit all over the guy. I will but, not back down from that Ray Liotta comparison one bit. Sure, uh, that's a valid comparison, but he was creepy as fuck. I guess, and I that's know, what we wanted, right? Do you buy that a guy serving on this weird ass police force for a female commander mm-hmm. could be this blatant? That's the problem. And then the other thing at the end of the scene where the doctor comes in and says bullshit, and then finally Don comes in and says Borman bullshit. Not only is he threatening doctor, he threatens Don to her face. Yeah, and here's here's where this relationship kind of gets a little more interesting, but also kind of breaks down a little bit. Yeah, Don is not a big woman. Don, I don't think could physically take Gorman. She's got in a gun. any capacity. Yeah. Well, yeah, she has a gun, but. My point is, I think that if she didn't let Gorman do the kind of things that he wanted to do, he would take over the asylum. So she's already lost. Like, this is... She, yeah. And that's kind and of I what they're... I think that's they're, pictured... They're, you know, later on when they smashed that picture across Beth's face? Yeah. I think that's what they're going for there. With yeah. the, the symbolism of cracked picture of her former partner who ran the show as well as he could without uh-huh. doing all this shit. Yeah. And she has just... It things would have gotten out of hand much faster had she not allowed the things that she's allowing. But it's already terminal. Yes, like he's he's yeah. all but running the show. Yeah, it's just not in. He's it's it's just not in name, or if not, if he, yeah. he's really in fact of not in name. And somehow Dawn seems to allow herself to buy into that system for both the sake of preserving her own life, um, much like Stephen is, and also for the sake of what she considers a noble goal of preserving humanity for the end of the nightmare. 
Yeah. So I, Don's character becomes a little more sympathetic by the end of this thing. Do you think this other problem I had with the show is do you think that um, it's realistic that these cops would think that having one, two doctors is enough that you can start making one <laughs> dispensable? Yeah, are they immediately going to barbecue him up? Like once and... you get the three, four, five, I don't know where that number is, but two's yeah. not it. Two is a good number for a doctor to say, hey, doctor, hand me that piece of equipment that I need. Yeah. And, and not have them say, uh, what piece of equipment? These all look the same to me. I don't know what that term means. Yes. You want two doctors in an operating room, right? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> or at least like a doctor and a nurse. But like what happens, if, who knows their what happens shit? if this guy gets appendicitis? You're yeah. fucked. Yeah. What happens if your doctor gets his hand chopped off? It seems off? like two or three, you could play them off each other. You could uh-huh. like, you know, brutalize one and be like, the other two, you don't get in... You don't get get on the program. This is what you're going to get too, and not be overly yeah. afraid that you're going that this guy is just going to have you under his thumb. It's it's not, and that's I think that maybe we're supposed to get that, which I makes the are. doctor's thing at the end a lot more craven and more yeah. selfish. Like uh-huh. they'll take away my Carvaggio, they'll take away my record player. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about being turned out of here and being killed. Yeah, I feel like a lot of this is saying this world is turning even the people who you know, want to be transcendent into the people who can't be uh, due to, you know, the circumstances outside. Yeah. Because no, the I doctor is definitely there, too. You're right. Right, right. Okay. Um, anyway, this is the scene where shit gets really creepy with Gorman, obviously, but even more so that, that thing you mentioned about him acting like Joan is his property is in this scene. Yeah. That's really fucked up. Um, you know, he says... He says, win her back. Uh, no, he says, earn her back. What does no, he say? No, exactly? she says that he says, Beth should have been mine. And he goes, mm-hmm. nobody's yours, Gorman, and Joan won't be either. And then he says, I'll get her. I think she goes, we'll see what we'll see. Mm-hmm. I'll get her back. But no, he's clearly saying that these are my possessions. Yeah, but I don't like why. How is his possession taken away at this point? Uh, I think. Like, do you think Don has laid down the law and said no more with Joan? Man, that's a good point. Because I don't feel like she's back. Yeah. She's just missing an arm, and now she probably can't even fight you as much as she used to. Do you to, think like... that that Don is trying to spin that this is somewhat consensual? That these women, like, that this is a demand, this is a you know, these women are just properly grateful to these men. <laughs> and she's not. Uh, if so, too... that's extra fucked. Right. But I mean, because that's how she tried to say say it to Beth. Like, you know, your use, yeah, your only use is for the greater good. For the yeah, for you, you your, your greater good is spreading your legs, essentially. Yeah, and you know that is a classic abuser speak. You're worthless. Your only worth is the thing that I assign to you, and God knows why I even do. Yeah. You know, that's like classic vic- something that that the victims of abuse are told, and that's the reason why it's so hard to get out of those relationships because it does a, like a mental fuck to you. And yeah. and I think it's again interesting to have a woman perpetuating that on from a top down level, mm-hmm. uh, who's, who who pro- presumably saw that in her duties as a police officer time and time again. I would assume so. Yeah. So, but again, not quite sure it's working for me. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, Beth, Beth says something about like, well, why, um, 
why Steven stayed after he sees all this shit going on. Why and do you he, stay here? He takes her down to this this vent, this grate, I don't know, where he he goes when he starts thinking about everything that's going on mm-hmm. with the the world and the hospital and rings the dinner bell. Uh he starts thinking it's too much. And then he, he makes some noise and some walkers come charging up. Sure. And he basically is making the point that he makes out on the roof again, which is, you know, it's better in here than out there. Yep. It's, uh, it's story time. Uh, he, he talks yeah. about the... Uh, I thought that scene was fairly effective, too. That sure. was the show, not tell. This guy... Stuff that I really liked. This this guy, uh, Dr. Steve here, he is, is fairly good. He, he brought his A game to this material. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Uh, so he takes her out to the roof, and he uh-huh. shows her Atlanta kind of in ruins, kind well, we, of. We've seen this, like the flashback with Lori and Shane outside of Atlanta when you see it being firebombed. Uh, you, we, we've seen, and, and that, that was one thing. It's like, man, the military, if they know how to do anything, it's blow fuck shit to pieces. Sure. they A very half-hearted attempt to quell Atlanta if that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, the problem is... Yeah, they didn't do a good enough job. Like they just didn't destroy enough of Atlanta. Yeah, I saw tops of buildings blown up. Sure, uh, several floors of, of a big skyscraper building. Yeah, lots of fire, lots of plenty of marks. floors left untouched. Yeah, uh, if you're gonna do it right, you do it with a nuke. That's the only way to just completely obliterate a city and everything in it. That's an interesting. You know, if, if things got so bad that presumably an American president authorized the napalming Jesus. of a major metropolitan area, yeah, you, you, why not? Maybe there are. Maybe there are cities like maybe Chicago got nuked. I mean, it's like well, maybe we'll find that those are smoking okay. craters where towns used to be. Maybe, maybe. I doubt it. But no, yeah, I, it, it's it seems weird that the that the military would go to that extent, but not go like it's a very measured response. It is to a just yeah. a, a, a existential threat at that point. And it seems improperly measured. Like yes. if enough of Atlanta is taken to where you rain fire down on the streets, you don't care about the lives in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. do you care about the buildings? Is that what you're trying to preserve? Like, hmm. I don't know. Anyway. um, so here we see the garden, the uh, lackluster garden, I think. You know, half of the roof is devoted to drying stuff out. That, that's fine. They're drying out, like, what, mushrooms and uh, peppers <laughs> hey, and... Peyote? <laughs> yeah. Is that so where you're going with no, this? Noah's, Noah's got his grow house, uh-huh. uh, his hydroponics lab. He's got the his docs a, mushrooms. The, the doc's a uh, hallucinogen fan. Yeah, for sure. We just makes him paranoid. Yeah, well, he doesn't like smoking. That's, ah, that's right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. It's bad for you. Sure. <laughs> so I, I had a problem with just the quantity, the lack of quantity of stuff up on the roof. Had a lot more space up there. I don't know why you would choose to grow stuff inside. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with <laughs> okay. you. All right. I'm with you. Encase the whole fucking thing in glass and make it a year-round uh, grow house. Yeah. Uh, so we find out a lot about the history of the hospital here. We get some information about uh, Stephen making a deal to compensate Don for supplies and kind of starting this whole thing in the first place. This idea of indentured servitude where I will trade the supplies I need for my future labor. Yeah. Uh, that's that's rough because Stephen, that has to take a toll on Stephen, I'm sure. Yeah. When he sees what that has led to. Um, but there was but this guy named Hanson. Saved, he saved a kid that was burned by napalm. So That's it's true. like it's mm-hmm. it's a nice shade of gray. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and it shows, you know, the, the way things that, uh, the way that things can crumble, even the good things, sure. the things you think, um, have helped people can turn out to be bad sometimes. Uh, so we find out there was this guy named Hanson and he was running the show until he cracked. He made some bad calls, got a bunch of people killed. And then Don kind of took over for him, uh, once he bit it. And, uh, Steven thinks that Don is the one keeping them safe and alive. Yep. So he's kind of on board with that. Uh, Beth goes in. And he makes a good told- point. As bad as it is here, it's still better than it is down here, down there, which is an mm-hmm. interesting thing as the, as the male doctor in a uh, very privileged status, it's very easy for him to make the argument. Ask some of the women in the bordello hallway. Yeah. Or That's ask, also or kind even of ask Noah, int- like sure. The like, guy who's doing the laundry and getting beat to death over, you know, stuff that's not his fault. Or beat half to death. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting piece of social commentary yeah. that they didn't fully connect to. The people who aren't affected by it don't see it as a problem. Yeah, and, and again, Beth didn't know. I don't think, like, what if Joan had just spilled the beans and be like, look, they're just rape. It's a rape gang Yeah, in blue. And she could have thrown that in his face. Like, well, that's easy for you to say, sitting at the Carvaggio's, listening to Tom Waits eating guinea pigs while there's women getting raped down the hallway. Yeah, no, it's... Is uh, that what you want to do to me? But she gets lets him have this kind of moment of, gee whiz, moral superiority that's like, wow, if that's, if that's where you're going with that, then fucking go for it. Yeah, no, they, they didn't. Uh, anyway, so he tells her to inject... Uh, this patient with clozapine, clozapine, 75 milligrams of clozapine. Uh, she goes down there, injects him and immediately kills him. Yeah. Uh, Don That's finds it. out she's mad and Noah takes the fall. And then Steven tells her she injected him with the wrong drug because she misunderstood what he said. <laughs> Plus she just injected him with basically gritty water. I, <laughs> if, if you're going to go to the trouble of getting the mortar and pest pestle out and grinding that stuff, do a better I mean, you're doing a kind of grinding montage anyway. Have it uh-huh. be effectual. Have it actually look like a, you conceivably would shoot that into somebody's arm. Because you had people yeah. on Facebook. I was like, what the hell did she give him? A, did, did, I didn't see her do the bubble thing because maybe she, he, she, he's got some kind of, uh, what do you call that? Is that an aneurysm? Uh, when, when you the, get a blood blood uh, bubble in your bloodstream, yeah, 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 and it fucks up your hydraulics or whatever, but yeah, it, or it's like, well, did she, you know, just shoot him full of like a large grain of whatever, and it got lo- like there's so many things that could have gone wrong. I don't understand. Yeah, the other thing about this is, if a doctor comes up to me and says, "Go downstairs, inject my patient with," blah blah blah, blah, blah. yeah. I'm going to say, what What did you just say? Right. Like, there are literally a million different drugs on this planet. I want to be goddamn sure that the one you just told me is the one I should inject him with. What? How do you spell it? I want to see it on the label. I want to know exactly how it's spelled because I don't want to fuck this up. Well, I'd say I'd make the doctors writing prescription jokes, but. Uh... <laughs> sure, sure. But he's I, talking. It's still clones of pin, clones of pan, whatever. Uh, uh, it would just look like a Z and X and squiggle. Like she comes off no, 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 as right. if she knows exactly what he's talking about. That, that was a problem with some people. It wasn't for me because I feel like that they've done a good job of showing that she's the daughter of a veterinarian, veterinarian and that she has been paying more than. The usual attention. Like, I, I feel like in some season ago, they've talked about her, you know, trying to tootle, tootle, be, be under her father's tutelage to, to 
multiply how many kind of medics that they have. Or maybe I'm getting her and Maggie or her and Carol confused. Okay, but clozapine, I just looked this up, Uh is an antipsychotic. Sure, no, we've got actually some feedback about In what, what does. circumstance does Herschel as a veterinarian inject an animal with an antipsychotic? <laughs> hey, cows get stress. Cows get the stress, man. <laughs> cows smoking six packs a day. There's got so much stress, Doc. I mean, just think about it. Your your Ooh. life as a cow your life as a cow is you're either getting forced lactation or ground up in a hamburger. That's Those are got, your best options. That's gotta make your nerves yeah. all jingle jangly, right? You you're need right. something to take you're off right. the edge. Seventy five milligrams of clozapine for that cow. It's, it's clozapine if it's uh marketed for animals, just so you know. <laughs> Cowzapine? Cowzapine. <laughs> Cowzapie. All right. Anyway, so I had a problem with that. She didn't even ask okay. twice or you got me there. do a double take there. Sure, sure. Uh, anyway, Don tells Beth that she knows that Noah lied for her, and even though she beat him, uh, she did it because, you know, he lied to her. Because reasons. Yeah, because reasons. That, that yet another thing that make, doesn't make sense. Like, uh, you know, if you knew you're just keeping up appearances for Gorm, I mean, what the hell? I don't understand why he got beat. Uh, I think it's to... Why to... wouldn't she punish Beth? She should punish Beth. Well, but that would also uh, probably be pissing off uh, Gorman, who sees her as mm. his property. That, and I, I feel like she's trying to get Beth to buy into this disgusting system somehow. Like, she constantly has talks with her, like, this is not so bad. Just sit back and relax. You might enjoy it. Yeah. Fucking disturbing it's shit. rushed, but there again, again, made that smart point. She's losing control. She's getting desperate. Yeah. Uh, so I... I get why she punished Noah, because he lied, and that can't be tolerated. He'll continue to do it. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's it's disturbing from all sides. Uh, then she tells her that everything's for the greater good, and Beth is not the greater good. And then when Beth talks back, she uh, rubs her suicide in her face and basically tells her to go kill herself. <laughs> yeah, the other thing is, like, she says, I saw this place almost get destroyed by a good man's mistakes. Yeah. I would really have liked it gotten more of that backstory. Like, at what point did a good officer lose control? I mean, did did, did I draw the line? Like, hey, you can't rape the women, boys. Did they, like, rise up and kill him? If that's the case, then how did she rest control? Did did she mean that he made a bunch of soft-hearted decisions that put the group in jeopardy? I think so, yeah. That's that's at least the story I've built in my head. In which case, like, that's a pretty far leap from, okay, we need to be a little more Shane-like. We need to be a little bit more pragmatic. This is the zombie apocalypse, and God knows I judge the survivors somewhat harshly when they try to cling to just really antiquated notions of morality and ethics Hmm. when people are trying to eat you. But it's a pretty far <laughs> leap to go from we got to do what we need to do to survive to rape is acceptable. Unless you're Shane. <laughs> Good fucking point. I feel like this is the group that the survivors might have become under if Shane's Rick guidance. hadn't done what he did to take Shane out. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. If maybe it had gone the other way, Shane would take Rick out. Yeah. Uh, you know, he'd probably have to kill a lot of people along the way. Dale wouldn't have stood for it. Dale, sure. He would have had to kill Dale. Oh, Shane would have killed uh, Dale. He almost did. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, he almost did, even uh, with all, you know, Rick and all everybody else holding him back. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I don't know. I, I could see the slow slide. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. She says here that you're not strong enough. And I, I think she is not strong in the same way that Don is strong. Don is strong in a... Uh, 
very police state sort of way. And a very inflexible oak that gets snapped in the wind kind of way. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, superficially strong, you know. I, what I didn't like about this is it seemed like it made a connection with Beth. Like, look at your suicide attempt from two years ago. Yeah. And Beth's all like, you know. Well, I've uh, drank moonshine since then. That's right. I got I hair in my chest. like a rock. Uh, I, I feel like I would have, I wanted to see her with a little bit more grit, like a little bit, uh, not that this isn't, this like, you can't, this, this is not a connecting at all. A little more defiant. Yeah. A little bit more hatred in the eyes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. She played this like a frightened deer a lot of the time. Sure. And I feel like that was counter to this this narrative arc of you're strong and everyone telling her she's strong. Yeah. Like again, that that's how you weaken an arc like that. If she did had a little bit more grit and determination then I think the like scene Carol. later would <laughs> well, right now it's going to feel like she wasn't able to rescue herself. And now here's yeah. Carol and probably the inevitable rescue party. That's going to do it for you Yeah, where they could have set it to where she was strong and she would have succeeded except for, you know, things that went bad or maybe she even let Noah go instead of her, which is another type of strength, mm -hmm. a selflessness. But as it is, it just, again, it's not terrible. That part of it's terrible. This is a terrible episode, but it is a little muddled. The character motivations and how they're directing this woman to act with the material they're given. It's, 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 it's inexperienced writing and directing coming together to not sell the story the way it needs to be sold. Yeah, I agree. This story needs to be sold like fucking Alec Baldwin, Baldwin, in uh, Glengarry Ross. What Glenn the hell? Ross, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the kind of selling this this kind of episode needs. Same way yeah. at the Grove. Mm -hmm. That's some big boy material. You need Alec Baldwin, you know, slapping coffee cups out of people's hands, <laughs> and we don't. Instead, we get uh, Jack Lemon, fucking mealy mouthing his way through it. Sure, and later seasons Jack Lemon, not even the early Jack Lemon. <laughs> Uh, I I think it was Liz Lemon, not Jack Lemon. No, no, no. You're talking. I'm I'm talking. I'm talking the the movie Glengarry. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought you were making a Thirty Rock reference there. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he was kind of soft. I do confuse Tina Fey with Jack Lemon though, from time to time. Okay. It's, it's so it's so easy to make that mistake. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we go to Noah's grow room, and Beth is telling him that she's going to escape. She's had enough. Uh, he tells her that there's a spare key to the elevator bank somewhere in Don's office, and then Beth goes off to find it. Um, this is where shit gets really, really bad for me, like mm. as far as a storytelling perspective. Mm -hmm. It just gets so confusing. Um, yeah. So Beth sneaks into Don's office. Sure. And she's looking around. She sees Joan on the floor. Uh, she's dead. And and I think she scrawled "screw you" onto the floor. Uh, Beth doesn't. <laughs> Beth Beth doesn't even notice. Like she's just her expression on her face doesn't change. Sure, no, she's unfazed. Uh, she finds the key and she can't get out before Gorman comes in and starts getting super creepy and super rapey. And she smashes him over the head. And uh, Joan Joan eats him. All right. I, I, so I want to talk. I want to praise this scene. Yes. 
and then I will tear it down and shit I'll I'll help you. Okay. This scene is a great in a Romero type of way that you've got this schlocky bad guy villain coming in there and talking about how weak this woman he's trying to oppress is Uh and, and talking shit about the one that he doesn't know is dead on the floor. And as he says stuff like, you know, you're not a fighter like Joan was. Joan's eyes flutter open. Uh And then Beth cold cocks him with the lollipop jar, a symbol of his oppression of her. Uh As Joan simultaneously bites into him, rising from the dead. It's perfect. That is a as visual perfect of an arc for that as you can get. It's completely brilliant. And the way it was shot and paced and, and all the metaphors coming together was fucking awesome. I, we all should have collectively been standing up on our couches and applauding. Yep, the end of that scene was incredible. It's the beginning of the scene that I have a problem with. The and, part where Beth is rummaging around the office. Okay, let's let's talk about it. Uh, so, on my initial watch, I thought that not only was this guy that they wheeled in and the doctor killed a doctor, but he was also a cop. He was handsome. Her, her mentor. I thought that Hanson was that doctor, yeah. And the guy in a photo that they just cut to looks a lot like Mr. Trevor. Looks a lot like him. And they don't explain. So Hanson is only mentioned once, and it's kind of in a uh, historic tone. He's mentioned a couple times, but I know, I know what you mean. And okay, then we finally yeah. see his picture. And then we see his picture. I feel like I thought what was happening is they were making the connection between the guy on the cot is the doctor whose card she pulls out of the filing cabinet. That's and and that's why we're seeing the picture on top of the filing cabinet. But that is not true. It's in fact Hanson who was Don's old partner. They're making two points at once, right? Yes. They're they're saying, oh, that guy on the gurney was a doctor, guy X, who we don't give a shit about. And here's an unrelated inset to yeah. Dawn was standing with her mentor that looks a lot like that doctor. Exactly. Confused the shit out of me. And the other thing is like that no plays like okay, the Doc Stevens is is pissed that they're wasting resources on this guy because he jumped off a roof or fell off a roof, maybe tried to uh-huh. commit suicide, but she's a super emotionally invested in saving him. Exactly. That, because that, it's her partner. And that leads to the partner thing, but then they pull the wallet and it just says, that's the thing, there's no name on this. From our perspective, all we see is Ignatius or Ignatius yeah. Medical, St. Ignatius, Saint Ignatius Hospital or whatever. Like that, yeah. that then makes a connection to what? Like, there's a random wallet in this filing cabinet. To really nothing. You want that to be an aha moment. You want her to pull that out and go, ah, if you now s- I see. If they that flip makes that sense. scene and we can see it's Mr. Something Jenner, or wait, not Jenner, Trevor. <laughs> okay, yeah, Jenner. Then if you're really paying close that attention, you would have remembered, oh, this was a Mr. Trevor, and this guy's a doctor, and, and yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Like, we talk about the three-part, or actually, it's, it's Martin. It's always talking about the three-part reveal. Yeah. A, a subtext for the super perceptive people to pick up on, mm-hmm. the, the, the kind of aim for the average viewer. Like you know, Which so I felt they, like this could have been. They can feel clever on that too, and then yeah. they just hit you over the head so you don't miss it at the final reveal, just so no one gets left behind. Yeah, the, yeah, they threw the middle one in there, but they did a bad job because there was they no... so muddled it that you couldn't tell it even was a middle one. Right. Yeah. And then when Beth comes at the end and says, "When did you know he's a doctor?" That plays more like a "What the fuck?" Yeah. Because the other thing is like, is that filing cabinet full of everybody's wallets? <laughs> in which case, why would Beth pick that out? Uh, if it's not full of wallets, why, why the would hell... she keep his wallet? Yeah. Why would Beth? If she's looking for keys and she's going through the car. Why would she look at that one? Say, "Oh, there's a wallet in here. I'm going to look at it." 
And it would have made sense if that was her partner, because then maybe she, out of nostalgia, keeps the wallet. Maybe. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know. There Again, that was a very clumsy, confusing scene. I've got something even more confusing for you. I'm in I'm this with you very on scene. I'm with you on that. She then walks over, uh, crouches down over Joan's body, opens up a drawer that I just want to say is full of keys entirely. Full of it's keys, ninety-five blue keys, keys, red keys, yellow keys, keys that are untagged, <laughs> keys on keys on keys. And yet she goes for the blue one. She picks it up like she knows exactly this is the key I need. And I thought sure. That we had missed something that Noah had said. It's the blue. She hides this blue key in the office. Nope. She just fucking on the first try grabs the right key. It's right next to three other keys, and she more picks than, it out I think like she knows. I think it's more than that, but yeah, yeah, like there was a piece of dialogue where they said or said pick the blue key that didn't that that, that didn't yeah, happen. It could have been that. It could have been the only key in the drawer. Yeah. How about that? Yep. So, so dumb. So dumb there. Th- this whole scene, I wish it had been better. I wish it had lived up to the Because end there's an it. aspect of it that was right. Romero. Yes. Social commentary. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And the rest was crap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Moving on. Beth and Noah make their escape down the elevator shaft. They run into some walker trouble on the way out. And Beth uses herself as a distraction, allowing Noah the time to escape. And then... She gets surrounded, would have been killed, but she's saved by Dawn and her cronies. And uh, I, don't, I don't know that saved is the right word there, but she is. Uh, the walkers around her are killed. She's preserved she for is, future use. Her life is preserved, yeah. Uh, and then Noah, Noah goes out through the fence. Shall we tear into this one? I don't know, because I thought that this elevator scene was pretty tense. Yeah, because they had set up what exactly is down at the bottom of that thing, and also they said, but but the other thing is, is Beth strong? Is, is Beth strong, competent, or isn't she? They they all said like, look, they both agree we cannot make any noise. If this is going to work at all, we can't make any noise. Beth is like fucking banging around and eh, oh, eh, at minor jostling. She drops her fucking flashlight down there, making all kinds of fucking noise. Yep. Uh, this guy is grabbed by a zombie, and instead of, like, I just feel like, I don't know, man. Like, why does it always have to be a goddamn zombie? Why can't just the thing unknot and he fall? And, and like, sure. you know, like, the zombie is definitely scary, and uh-huh. it's a tense situation, but also you know you can't make any noise or you're going to get eaten at the bottom, so maybe you just kind of master yourself. You don't fucking yeah. go, ah! <laughs> and then drop the the thing and fall and sprain your ankle and then yeah. and then Beth she goes down there's a four foot drop into this pile of corpses she doesn't fall and like roll or drop she just belly flops into it uh-huh. do we need another cut of that can we get another take can we reset <laughs> the scene and get another take nope nope no. cut print yep it's just and and then the, the basement scene's kind of actually effective. Like say what you will about headshots the headshots, the, the headshots in the dark. Yep. But this is what the show does. Like I watch fucking Glenn. Where's Glenn? When riding you riding on a windowsill of a Hyundai Elantra in uh-huh. pitch black, getting headshot after headshot from a moving car. Sure. This is what this show does. They are all using aimbots, okay? But, but at least you could see them. But setting, I do. Could he? It was fucking pitch black at night. And Herschel's got the auto, the infinite ammo cheat using. They're just using cheat codes. Yeah. I'm just saying that I like the way it was staged in the dark. It was actually kind of tense. Uh-huh. You know, and and having the only illumination being the gun flashes, and having that also slowly degrade their hearing and our hearing till you just get the. 
from yeah. them shooting in this echoing concrete garage. I thought that was pretty cool. Going outside where you've got the uh, uh, you know callback to season one of, of Rick in the Hospital, uh, which we also didn't talk about her wake up scene being kind of uh, another homage to that. But you know, sure. it being whited out because now she's in a bright dark. I, that was all really handled very well. Yeah. But by that point, the episode was like, you should see the Facebook thread. It's not just me. Like, it turned into a WWE match. Yeah. Like, even people that are normally, like, defending Walking Dead were, like, just counting down why other people were slamming this episode's head into the turnbuckles, you know? (laughs) One, two, three. It was just, it was a free-for-all. Nobody was engaged at it. And I get, when I say nobody, I know there's, like, three or four people emailed us. Yeah. And the people I respect, like Frack and T, D, like this episode. Vast majority of people. I, sure. I don't, I've never seen uh, in recent memory an episode, maybe season three. Welcome to the Tunes. Yeah. Season is three. is the last I can remember where universally people came out and said this was yes. bullshit. Until now. Uh, you, almost universally people said this one was bullshit. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Dawn takes Beth to her office where everyone is still dead on the floor. Uh, Beth tells her no one is coming to save them, and that Don let uh, let this horrible shit happen for nothing. And then Don slaps Beth again with the cracked picture. And here, did she with the cracked picture? Because I know she looked down and, and or she cracked it and saw Hanson, but I wasn't sure that she clocked her with it. That's actually kind of cool. I think she did hit her with the picture. Yeah. Okay, but I, I thought this is where I thought they made explicit, if in case you were guessing, that Gorman actually did smack her in the head and caused that minor head trauma. Okay. Because she wakes up with identical head trauma. (laughs) Yep. And then uh, Stephen, she confronts Stephen with the knowledge that the guy that they wheeled in was a doctor. This would have been the third step of the aha moment if we had actually properly set up the scene. Uh, And then he confesses uh, that, yes, I did that. And he tries to justify it as not having a choice. Uh, And then, you know, he he brings he brings up Peter. He plays the Peter card here. Uh, and says he didn't have a choice, just like Peter didn't have a choice. Which is, I, you know, if you're going to go to all the trouble of using that picture and staging all that, that's not a bad payoff, and it's not... Sure. It's not necessarily even a bad rationale for someone's behavior, uh-huh. um, but it's hard to sell that to a person who knows and you know is going to be used as, I don't even know, a concubine, a sex slave... Like Peter denied Jesus, sure. Peter did not. Sell Jesus, Jesus was going to be killed anyway. He's going to be killed anyway, and Jesus was going. Uh, he didn't give Jesus up to a rape gang. I'm pretty sure. And then murder. I'm someone. sure. Pretty sure Peter, why he still had a sword, actually tried to uh, lop off a, one of the guards' heads. Yeah, took off his, Got his ear. ear. Yep. You know, like when he still had the power to actually affect change, he did. You're just full of shit, Doc. Yeah, and you're murdering people and having people raped and all sorts of horrible shit, and you're justifying it to yourself. Yeah, and like I said, that's not the problem. The episode, actually, I, no, that's, no, no, that's something actually cool. I'm just, I'm going off on this guy just from a, you know, a, yeah. a standpoint of you're a terrible human being. Yeah, he's taking a moral position, and you're saying that's bullshit. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, so Beth's on her way to kill Stephen in the hallway uh, for his crimes. Trying to shank him. Yeah, with a pair of scissors, it looks She's like. She's learned a little bit from her time in the prison. Uh, and then she stops in her tracks when Carol is wheeled in looking kind of beat up. Mm-hmm. M- maybe beat up a little bit. Doesn't have the trademark, you know, 
laceration on her face. Yeah. But then again, Gorman's dead. That was his thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Lots of so, debate about it. So now, I, I like this because now she can't kill Stephen because presumably Stephen has to care for Carol. Uh, and save her. It's yeah. I mean, no. It I, puts her in a really tough position. And again, you kind of think if this episode had flowed even fifty percent better, yeah, and been less puzzling, how what a crowning moment of awesome this would be, knowing full well what Cape Carol's capable of. And there's come some people that think, you know, you know, Carol just got knocked unconscious, and they took her because they assumed that Daryl was the stronger one. And sure. whoa, did they misestimate her? <laughs> I don't know why I keep doing that. They underestimate they underest- her. Yep. Then there are the people that say, oh, it's actually they found Noah. He told him what's going on, and this was Daryl and Rick's plan to actually stage her as a Trojan Carol. Sure. That, that that is a deliberate thing, which is even more badass. Either way, it's like there's going to be some cool potential here. So here's my question with that. If if that's the case, yep. if they leave Carol to go in and infiltrate this camp and they drive back to the church 60 miles outside of uh, Atlanta, mm-hmm. how do they get their hit squad back to Atlanta? They don't have that bus anymore. They have to find other cars to work. No, it seems like there's just cars laying everywhere. I mean, Carol found a fucking Honda that could easily hold six people in a pinch. All right. All right. Uh, okay, we can hand wave that away, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. There, I, I don't think there's any evidence that tells us one way or another whether this is a plan to infiltrate or whether they got separated and Carol got taken. Plus, if Carol leaves this the way the Joker did the hospital and Batman uh, or the Dark Knight, they've got their choice Uh of police vehicles in the impound lot. They've got a late model Dodge. They've got some various shitty station wagons and stuff. There's a lot of of vehicles, well-maintained, probably adequate gasoline that they can choose from. Not too worried about that. They'll just have to fight a sea of walkers to get them. Well, that, if there's a group that you want to bet on fighting a sea of walkers, <laughs> sure. I'm going to go with Rick, Carol, Daryl, and even Beth. Well, you'd have Michonne. to steal that. It would, it would have to be Daryl and Noah stealing that car. Why do you say that? I think so the whole they could drive coming. it back and take the group there. I'm saying the whole, oh, 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 how yeah. are you going to get the strike squad there? Yeah, yeah. Well, you just pile in. You just pile in. Pile the, in the Cadillac. The mini Cadillacs and Hondas <laughs> with jump-starting devices littering the road of Georgia. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, that's it for the episode. Uh, name game real quick. Slabtown uh, actually was a part of Atlanta that was a red light district uh, way, way back in the day in the 1840s. Uh, it was established. And it basically became this uh, this area of debauchery uh, and perversion to the point where Atlanta was deeply shamed by it. Uh, rolled in with armed thugs and just beat everyone out of it. Wow. Uh, and left the place vigilante so ruined justice. that no one would rebuild there. Vigilante uh, justice. Yeah, vigilante justice. So if you're following that line of thought... Uh, it could be Strike Squad comes in and Joker's the hospital. Okay. Or Two Faces the hospital, whatever. Two Faces. Yeah, wait, who, who blows up the hospital? Joker blows up the Joker hospital. Joker does? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So we might see that in a couple episodes. Digging it. Slap Town. That's Red it, Light man. District. <laughs> All right. 
I was trying to rework the police song, Roxanne, into Beth and Joan having to turn on the red light, but it's just well, no, there's not enough there. My falsetto, I'm, I'm not. I don't know if I can rely on it. We have a sponsor this week, Aaron. We do. Yes, we are sponsored by Audible. Man, I'm actually proud of this one. Yeah, yeah, that Amazon company that I think pretty much everybody likes. Yeah. Like, they have a lot of awesome features with this thing. So Audible is an audiobook company uh, run by Amazon. They have over 150,000 titles, just massive selection. Aaron and I were thinking, like, what book can we recommend this week? Well, I wonder if some random book that we have read like years ago is on there. And lo and behold, it is. Yeah. Dust by Joan Francis Turner. Yeah. It's an interesting and a unique, to my knowledge, look at zombies. Mm-hmm. It's told from the, the point of view of a zombie protagonist and does, I think, a very good job of fairly real, real world if zombies existed, what would their culture be like? What yeah. would the experience be like? How is their their psychology and and social order as apart from humans and their relationship with humans? And it's it's all very very interesting in in a fairly realistic setting. I highly recommend it. I'm actually a big uh, Audible is an easy one to recommend. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Uh, I've been a member since the first time we started hawking them years ago, and I wouldn't have been able to catch up. I had like three. Game of Thrones books <laughs> that I was behind on with about mm-hmm. six to eight weeks to go before the season. I had to get through all of a, uh, uh, I had to get through all of Feast and all of Dance. I know for sure, and I think I reread the third one. But what's awesome about that is they fully support WhisperSync. Probably the best feature of any software I've used, honestly. So I was banging that stuff out. Every night I'd read Uh for a couple hours, and then wherever I stopped on my Kindle, I got in my car the next morning, fired up my phone, played through my auxiliary port, and it would pick up exact – I'd have to keep track of it. And I I, I had a fairly long commute, uh, so I would get home, and then I'd start reading exactly where it stopped. Uh, and you can inhale books so quickly that way, and mm-hmm. it's such a great feature. They haul, By the way, they have all of George Martin's works, yeah. all of his uh, Song of Ice and Fire. So they've got the a lot of the Governor expanded universe information for The Walking Dead, if you're a Walking Dead fan. And you can get a free trial. That's the best part. How yeah. do you do that, Jim? Uh, all you got to do is go to audiblepodcast.com slash bald move and there'll be a big ass button that says get your free audiobook and you get like that you sign up you get a free audiobook right off the bat right you can go for dust you can go for one of the governor sagas you can go for one of the uh, game of thrones Mm -hmm. books it's all there yeah super cool uh so thanks a lot audible and we hope you guys go check them out Let's do some feedback, huh? Yeah? Yeah, please. Okay. Frankie G said, I think uh, this is some old school feedback. I went back and, and collected a few that we missed from the episode before. Frankie G said, that I think the reason Abraham is in such a hurry to get on the road is that he knows there's more trouble for Rick's group. Hmm. They have lost two badasses, namely Carol and Daryl. Sure. And neither Gabriel nor the Terminites are to blame, or Gabriel or the Terminites are to blame. That means another enemy and more dangers ahead. Abraham is right to leave before more shit hits the fan if he truly believes Eugene is not full of shit. Good point. We didn't catch that. The very fact that there's Fair missing enough. people yeah. implies that there's another threat out there. Now, he's not right to leave in the middle of the night when there's potentially an armed group of cannibals True. surrounding the building. True. But staying around waiting yeah. to see the other shoe drop is is probably... Yep. A wise idea. Angela B. said, in a church, 
There are five Bible verses written on plaques flanking the altar. I looked them up, and sure enough, they're all somewhat zombie-related verses. Okay. Whether or not they're possibly prophetic for the show, as you recall, Romans 6, 4, For we died and are buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so may we have new lives. Ezekiel 37, 7, So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Damn, that's some army of darkness shit. No shit. <laughs> and people say the Bible's boring. <laughs> Matthew twenty seven fifty two. And tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Revelations 9, 6. In those days, people will seek death but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. Luke 24, 5. Uh, chapter 24, verse 5 says, The woman were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Hmm. Uh. Very, very thematically fitting. Armies of darkness, zombie apocalypse, people longing for death, unable to get it. I liked it. I liked it. Yep. She continues, says in another podcast. What What the? F what? There are other podcasts? We have a, a podcast adulterer in our midst. <laughs> I'm unaware of these other podcasts you speak of. <laughs> I, I don't know why you would go searching oh, for other podcasts. Oh, our other podcasts. Yeah, okay. I don't think we mentioned it. I think she's gone out. Oh, no. She's turned on the red podcast light, and she is she's unfaithful. <laughs> I almost don't want to continue the feedback. It's such a huge problem for me. I think I think we should, though. Okay. And another podcast I was listening to, I have to choke that down. They touched on the pictures on the walls, and that one of, that one of them is The Last Supper. And sure enough, Rick was positioned somewhat in the middle of the group's feasting in episode two. But I'm not sure if there's really any true symbolism to be found here other than that it's a typical picture that would be hanging in a church. The whole significance of that scene is that it's the moment that Judas is sneaking away to betray Judas. If this is what was happening with Rick's group, then we have two potential Judases, Bob and Carol, both sneak away, but neither of them are betraying the group or have the intent to betray. So what's the symbolism of this picture? I got a, I got a suggestion. Okay. Bob is the Last Supper. All right. Yeah. For the Terminus people? <laughs> yeah. He definitely is. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Uh, and he was laying on that couch that was all right front and center of that. So there's your obvious symbolism. <laughs> and uh, thank you for your faithful listening to our podcast, Angela. Uh, <laughs> Justin R. said, I have a silly gripe about the amount of fully automated AK-47s in Georgia. Mm -hmm. The last few episodes, it seems that the AK is, in, is like an asshole. Everyone has one. Maybe it's like a nipple. Everyone has two. Sure. I know that Russia invaded Georgia in 2008, but that was the country, not the good state <laughs> of. Where are they all coming from? My thought would be a lot of M4s with ACOG scopes left by the overrun military. I don't know. It's just something to complain about, I guess. But that's why I still watch. So I'm going to make a confession. Roger Ebert once made a really apro apropos uh, co um, comparison. He said uh, in reviewing a movie about dog shows that AKs are like nipples. He did. He did. Uh, and I'm here to explain to you what he meant by that. No, he said that I'm a dog lover. I'm not a dog fancier. Like the people that go to dog shows and groom their poodles into the mm -hmm. elaborate hair thing and brush them. And they got those super long hair and the bows. And that's a dog fancier. He's a dog lover. He likes a good old mutt. I'm a gun lover. I'm not a gun fancier. 
I know a lot about the guns I've got and I can strip them and I can clean them and I can shoot them well enough. But I, I, I don't really, I, I, I don't, I can't, especially with some of these crazy ass setups that people have on AR 15s and SPSs yeah, and AKs, yeah. I can't recognize them by sight unless they're mm. kind of fairly stock. I will say, uh, there's tons of AK-47s in Indiana, just judging by the local gun shows and the gun <laughs> shops. Uh-huh. Tons of SKSs. That was my first assault rifle. I don't have one now, but and they were very cheap and uh, very plentiful. I, I don't know. I haven't shopped for one in over a decade because that's just not what I shoot. But um, I, I don't know. I, don't, I guess to me... And 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 if if I'm a gun lover, then the majority of Americans that care even less than I do, um, I, I see AK forty seven. I think cheap and ubiquitous. Like I have sure. no doubt there's people with barrels full of them buried here and there. That there's probably crates of them in warehouses. That every fucking gun store is going to have at least a dozen of them, if not more. Hmm. Um, you know, yeah. Strangely, for some reason, I don't think that about the U.S. though, and hmm. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. I, granted, I know less about guns than you do. Basically, I use the rule of thumb. If it has more than two attachments, it's probably an AR-15. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like, that's my only go-to. Which rule. you can buy at Walmart, so that would yeah, probably yeah. be even... Forget the military. <laughs> yeah, the AR-15 Walmart is like a, a, them. a platform, a gun platform, Yeah, sure, right? sure. Whereas an AK is like a thing. That's you like might all add of them, like though. A, like, I remember, you really? know, Matt, one of Mad Brew's last projects was building this bullpup configuration for, uh, I think it was an SKS. And you'd look at it, and you'd think it's like a, some kind of fucking space gun. Huh. You wouldn't think it's some cheap, uh, you know, Eastern European knockoff of an AK-4. That's not even right. I can't even remember where the SKS's origin is. But that's, again, I, I, I don't know. So I'm the wrong person to ask about that. Yeah, me too. So I want to come clean into my, you know, okay. I, I I pay more attention to things like Emily Kinney, crack shot, can shoot zombies in the head in the dark, blinks every fucking time she shoots a gun. <laughs> I pay more attention to that kind of stuff than yeah. the make and model. But, the uh, infinite ammo stuff. That and infinite pretty ammo. Easy to I, I'm pretty sure that I know how much uh, <laughs> how much ammo a shotgun can hold and Herschel vastly exceeded its capacity. Yeah, the amount is not infinite. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Justin R. And don't uh, I'll bow to your knowledge. Okay. Stephanie M. said, maybe I missed something in the episode when I was rolling my eyes, but I'm not really sure why they kept this episode Slabtown. I had that to remind you to tell me your Slabtown story, which you did beautifully. So we'll keep on going. Okay. Sarah G said, I'm ready for a show with consistently good writing and directing. Here, the whole hospital for the greater good scenario was really interesting. The doctor was intriguing, and I liked seeing Beth break out, albeit briefly, but it should have been comprised of 10 minutes of screen time and a much broader episode. The strength of this show, aside from the special effects, is its ensemble cast. So why, why, Jim, Sarah asked, did they keep breaking it up and fracturing the episodes like this? Did Kirkman write bottle episode comic issues like this, too? I I don't know. That's a good question. The only one I can think of is the famous Rick and Carl, or Rick in a coma, and Carl trying to make it more or less successfully on his own. Yeah. And that was right after an, uh, the, the, the prison arc where everybody was scattered hither and yon. So, no, no, he doesn't. Um, I do know that according to, you know, stuff I've learned from Villigan, the bottle episode is the classic overrunner budget. We need to cut down on location <laughs> and cast for an episode or two. So let's throw a bottle episode in a mix. Is, uh-huh. 
And I know the AMC seems to be cheap. And that's the other possibility about why they keep using less experienced personnel. I, I don't know. Yeah. But you're totally right. This is a strong ensemble cast that can handle anything thrown at them. And they love, love, love to get away from it and break, break off. Yeah. Uh, Travis S. said, a total tangent, irrelevant question just came to me. This is what I like to call a shower thought. So The Walking Dead takes place in a world where zombies don't exist. Mm-hmm. Zombies are not in the pop culture. There is, yeah. no, wa- there is no Night of the Living Dead. There, none of that shit. Yeah. With that in mind, does Time of the Season or She's Not There exist? What are Songs written by a band called The Zombies. Oh. Yes. Yes, they do not exist. You are really? Correct. Really? If there's no such thing as a zombie, there can't be a band named The Zombies. What if what if they're just called The Corpses? You'd rather okay. just, you'd just rather have them unmade than than tweak a little bit. Yeah, we've already spent way too much I, time. I feel like so much <laughs> philosophy goes into the naming of a band. So much of who you are that you might not even think of the same songs if you don't have the same band name. All right, I can I I can get behind that. Sure, why not? Okay. I mean, it's an off the cuff bullshit excuse. Why not? That's that's that what a shower totally get behind. That's what a shower thought deserves. Yeah. yeah, you're you're scrubbing yourself. You're 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 washing your <laughs> your undercarriage, and you're like, oh my god, would zombies exist in a zombie free world? I, I feel like Travis has the the same idea that no, those those wouldn't exist. Baba said, "Way too many unanswered questions." If the horny toad hospital police weren't associated with the funeral home where they scooped up Beth, then what was that episode all about? Were they just scouring the Atlanta suburbs at night in the hopes of finding young damsels in distress? Good question. This episode is epic fail, in my opinion. Are we ever going to get the answer to that creepy funeral home? Maybe next episode? Really? Hmm. No, I take that back, but potentially. I mean, because, like, if it was a way station for the cops, which actually would be a smart idea. Mm Hmm. Why the staged corpses and the candles and all that stuff? Yeah, I, I, don't I, I don't know if that made sense and if it's ever going to make sense. Patience B said, oh, I wanted to love this episode because I really do like Beth and watching her grow into herself. But this was disappointing. I do think Emily Kinney had the potential to successfully carry the episode, but the writing and direction ruined it. Don's lines were horrible and poorly delivered, and all those headshots in the dark? Really? Why couldn't Beth take Gorman's flashlight and something stabby? Even if they got away, they surely would have run out of ammo. Beth is smarter than that. Anyone who's had the influence of Rick, Daryl, and Carol, and Michonne know basic survival would be to find a melee weapon before going outside. This episode's only saving grace was seeing Carol at the end. It seems to me, from what Don said, that every female in there was... Uh, other than her, was basically a sex slave for officers. Carol will go apeshit in that place. <laughs> I can't wait to see her murder these self-righteous assholes. Yeah, I'm with you on that last part. I'm slightly worried that we're not going to get the, quite the satisfying episode we're hoping for. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, are you unsatisfied if Rick's group does come back and do the dirty work? No. I. Do you want this to be a plan of Carol and Daryl's? I just, no, I just have a feeling that Carol's going to die this season, and okay. I don't want her to die at the hands of these pricks. She's got to die at someone's hands. And if she does, I hope, they make her her really, I hope they make it really, really satisfying. Yeah. so She's got to take somebody with her. 
Yeah. Anyway, she can take Dawn with her. I'm with you there, Patience. Uh, Andrew E said this episode had the pacing, cadence, and general feel of a lifetime original movie called Slaptown, the Beth Sour Apple Green story. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, I think you work Doodlebug in there. Yeah, yeah. You need to work Doodle uh, Beth Doodlebug Green, but Sour Apple's good too. Yep. Marky said, I have to say, I enjoyed this episode while I watched it. On the other hand, I couldn't take issue with any of your criticisms from the instant cast. The biggest issue I had is I just decided to drop five minutes in was how the storyline is coming too late into the Zed apocalypse, much like Father Gabriel's. The the petty police stage just doesn't seem stable enough to last this long. Reminded me a bit of the Dawn of the Dead remake with the security guard posse, but that lasted a few days or maybe even a couple of weeks. We heard from Noah that he's been sharecropping there for a year, so it's time to call some bullshit. In some ways, this episode reminded me of the later Romero stuff. Interesting setup to display power relationships, lack, but a lack of thought, follow-through on that promise. <laughs> there was definitely some parallels to slavery and Jim Crow that needed to be better developed, giving this setup in the American South. The, debits, the debt system is totally what happened in sharecropping days. Yep. Oh, you earned $10 today? Well, the food and tools cost $15. That's a real shame. Yep. Same thing. In the coal mining industry back in the day, too, taking advantage of poor and minorities huh. with the company stores. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it an accident the entire police force and one doctor were all white? The fact that they didn't fall through on that or more fully have a character call out the white power structure is another lost opportunity. You're right. If you're going sure. to have social commentary and ask the big questions and take the, tur- and take the trouble to uh, cast it appropriately, then uh, follow through, man. Rachel H. said this episode, we already talked about that, um, with the homage to Romero. Doug L. says, here's a little science for this week's episode. Clonzapine, the drug Beth administered, is an antipsychotic. Clonzapam is a very similar drug used as an anticonvulsant. Beth gave 75 milligrams, which is well below the lethal threshold of clonzapine. However, that would be a potentially dangerous dose of clonzapam, over Uh three times the recommended daily dose, though not necessarily fatal. The doctor had to be playing with the odds while knowing the patient was allergic to clonzapine. That way, no matter which drug Beth gave, the patient could die. I don't know if Doug L. is a doctor or if he just slept in a Holiday Inn, but that that is interesting, right? That he was trying to – maybe he knew – he knew this doctor. Maybe he knew he's allergic and – May set himself up in a, in a no-win situation because, as you said, it, but they don't explain that. Certainly, no, 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 no. The, what, the way they set it up is that the clozapine that she gave him was enough to kill him, hmm. and the doctor knew that. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> Next email, Mr. Rock and the ROK said, I really hope Aaron is wrong. I don't want to see Carol sneaking around the air vents and swinging from fire hoses <laughs> with a handgun taped to her shoulder. Carol, on. Carol Rambo was enough. We don't need another Carol McClain. Yes, we do. If anything, the payoff should be Daryl joining the psychological ranks of Rick and Sasha and leading a feral recon mission. After all, these <laughs> slab town deputies apparently snatched both Beth and Carol on his watch. Dick, this is nuts. I want Carol <laughs> McLean next episode rampaging through with her cut-up-ass feet swinging down through air vents. I want it all. I want it. He does have a point that Daryl's got to be fucking ready to spit blood yeah. at the fact that these guys took two yeah. two of his companions off of him. Two of his doodle bugs are in there. He's going to get them back. Unless, unless this is a plan. Unless it's the Trojan Carol. <laughs> No, it's not the Trojan Carol. I can tell you that. I know. Um, 
why because this is the like you're like if it's trojan carol then that means carol someone's inside carol yeah who's coming out of carol daryl's gonna fly out of her ass and be like surprise motherfuckers shooting crossbow bolts out of her ass <laughs> kyle c might said my least favorite character was shane and i've always caught a lot of shit about it too everyone thought he was too much oh no i'm sorry kyle c my favorite character was Shane. Oh. Everyone thought he was too much. I, on the other hand, thought he was exactly what you needed to be to survive this world and that Rick was way too soft. Four okay. seasons later, Rick has become a bit more hardened. Uh-huh. Do you think that Rick is worse than Shane at this point? I'm not defining worse on purpose, whatever worse means to you. Jim. My What off, do you think? My off-the-cuff answer here is no. Rick has not become even as bad as Shane was. Um, A, Rick isn't going around raping people. B, I don't think Rick would shoot any of his group in a leg to survive. That was a question that was asked at the Walker Stalker Con, and that was my response. Like, hold up. Yeah. Even a random stranger, can you imagine Rick Grimes shooting a random stranger in the leg to save his own life, or even that of Carl or Judith at this point? I don't think he would do it. I don't think so either. The the savageness that comes out of Rick is aimed at a target that deserves it. Usually, yeah. In, in almost every case. I mean... Yeah. He's a little too hardcore Tyrese in his group. <laughs> okay. All right. Yes, he was. When they first met bit. up. Yes. But wasn't that like right after the governor no, stuff? No, no, no. I actually thought... Like it was, he had yeah. a very good reason for that. And I, I thought I thought Tyrese's group was a little too chippy about calling him on it. It's like, look, just... He's yeah, not, yeah. He's not threatening you. He's not killing you. Spend a night in a drunk tank. Mm-hmm. Okay? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Nathan P. with a personal worst episode list. He wanted our oh, thoughts boy. on it. Well, since we, we, we brought that to the table on the Instant Cast. Okay. Season 1, episode 4, Vatos. Oh, that's pretty bad. Terrible episode. I just had some good ideas once again. Had some good ideas, and a lot of bad things, execution. A lot of people say "Tell It to the Frogs" is this episode. <laughs> you only think that because it's named after the absolute terrible Lori Grimes line. That's not a bad episode. Yeah. Vatos is the one that really, really sucks. We make so much of so much fun of the line "Tell It to the Frogs." Yeah, I can see why people make that mistake. And that's the thing, like. Some episodes get better, and you can kind of see where they're going for it. Like, I've seen all of season one at least ten times writing the goddamn book. I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait to give the similar treatment to season two. Oh, my God. For volume two. By the way, we want to get ahead on volume one. Here's my new interstitial ad. Oh, boy. Book.baldmove.com. Check it out. If you if you think the shit we say is funny, I think you'll like the book. Um, but Vatos, it gets worse every single time you watch it. It gets more tedious. The scene at the beginning with Andrea and her sister Amy, where they're talking about the, the oh, way boy. their dad raised them radically the different. On the, on yeah, the quarry. Dad taught me how to use wet lures. Dad taught me how to use dry. He <laughs> told me only one type of knot. I taught three types of knot. Oh, my God, we're so different. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I got stupider watching it. Uh, anyway, Nathan P., Season 2, Episode 1, What Lies Ahead. That is the Dale Lookout debacle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sophia getting scared into the woods. Uh, Walker's coming around a corner. Yeah. That kind of shit? Yeah, like Dale missing walkers approaching from like two miles away. Yeah. Yeah, shame on you, Dale. Uh, that, was, that wasn't a terrible episode. I hated the opening of it. It's, it's a terrible season premiere. It's a it's, Fair it's, it's a it's a uh, kind of a snoozer of a mid-season show, but having that be your season premiere 
was bad, and we we ripped it. Uh, season yeah. f- two, episode four, Cherokee Rose. I believe that's the one where Daryl fell down the embankment and had a bunch of flashbacks of his psychotic brother. Is that so bad? No, I think it's okay. It's not on my top five. Huh. Uh, season two, episode six, Secrets. What is that one? Uh, that's the one. I know that's the one after Andrea shot. Oh, that's the abortion pill one, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's the abortion pill one. Yeah, that was bad. That's pretty that bad. That was real bad. Right. It's at the height of... That was another flip-flop for Lori. It's at the height of her flip-flopping. I'm sure Carl got out of the house. They had the abortion pill part. Daryl just forgave Andrew of shooting him in the head yeah. for no good reason. <laughs> I would say whatever the episode was before that would probably be the one I really hate, where Andrew just shoots yeah. Daryl out of girl power defiant. I don't even know what you'd call it. <laughs> Season 3, episode 13, Arrow on the Doorpost. This is the one we lampooned in a skit where the governor just cannot believe how stupid Rick is for meeting him and just unilaterally agreeing to stuff and showing that they're alone and unarmed. And Did we tear into that one? We did a pretty awesome skit about it. No, we did a great skit, but I'm... Surprise, jackass! <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's fantastic. Uh, I love that skit, but... I don't know that we tore into the episode that much. Like, I felt like it had some good stuff with Martinez and Daryl and... You mean Martinez? Martinez, yeah. Season 3, episode 16, Welcome to the Tunes. This is a consensus top three. Yeah. This, Bottom three. Maybe, maybe the worst episode of the entire series. The fact that it's a finale made yeah. it... It was the it was the shitty cherry on top of the, the shit sandwich. I can't think of a worse one. That's uh, my number one worst. From from what... Especially since it, it was coming... It was perfectly set up to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, season four, episode six, live bait. Oh, governor stuff. That is the beginning of the governor episode. Yeah. And Tara. We're introduced to Tara. The fist bump uh-huh. that heard, heard around the world. Season four, episode seven, the next episode, dead weight. He says even the name of the episode, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, bad. Uh, season four, episode 10, inmates. Uh, I believe that's the one where... Uh, Glenn, they thought Glenn was dead on a bus, and we find out he was actually come to in the prison, and he rescues Tara. And they Tara. spoiled it in the preview before the episode. Yeah. Season 5, episode 4, Slabtown. Um, the problem with some of the stuff like Inmates and Arrow to Doorpost and Secrets are like, mm-hmm. you've got the worst. Like, there's a top five worst. Like, I think Vatos is there. What Lies Ahead is there. Welcome to the Tombs is there. Mm-hmm. Slabtown is there. The two governor episodes, centric episodes, but then you've got a whole bunch of stuff that's just you'd have to argue mediocre versus bad. Yeah, and some of them had some really good points to them. It's it's much harder to separate once you get out of the top five worse. I agree. There's some episodes that are just completely bad through and through. There yep. are some episodes where there are some really bad parts in an otherwise decent episode. Yeah, those are the hard ones to rank. Yeah. Because like I felt like all the I the the episodes in the ha- latter half of season four labeled with I in, titles in, inmates and tournaments were all pretty good yeah. except for a lot of the stuff they did with the kids Lin- yeah Lizzie uh, Lizzie and Mika all that shit was really really bad yeah in otherwise really good episodes. All right, Brian KW said, I did enjoy bringing, or Walking Dead bringing us an Everybody Hates Chris reunion. Tyler James Williams, who is Noah, escaped with Beth, and Vincent Martella, who's the president of the Daryl Dixon fan club. He's the nerdy guy that was patient zero for the prison Uh plague. 
Uh, Everybody Loves Chris. You didn't see that show? No. It's a sitcom uh, uh, based around the early life of Chris Rock. Nope. Never saw it. Well, then it didn't connect for you, but it did connect for me, and thank you, Brian. Okay. Mel from London, I can only assume she's a Spice Girl. The part that intrigued me the most was uh, the last couple of minutes. I got the impression that it had been a day or so since Dawn beat the crap out of death. Beth. Like the doctor said, another couple days and she should get back to work. That being said, what's to say Carol and Daryl didn't run into Noah in their search for the car with the white cross? Let's face it, he wasn't going very far, very fast with that gammy leg or gamey leg. So after getting the lowdown from him and realizing the slabs have Beth, they devise a plan to get Carol on the inside whilst Daryl and Noah go for reinforcements. Showdown between the Rictator and the slabs, here we come. This is the, uh, tr- the, the Carol horse scenario. Yeah, the Trojan Carol. Uh, I re- by the way, I really like the the name slabs for these people. Sure, got the term- uh, terminites. Yeah, and the slabs. Sure, uh, sure. I mean, it could be a plan. It could be all part of the plan. We just don't know yet. Yardley, who is uh, we shared oh, yeah. the stage with at Walker Stalker Con, he is one of the co-hosts of the Talking About the Walkers podcast. Had a problem with this theory that we used, we were discussing. He said, "I thought the episode was pretty average at best, and only saved by Car- the Carol reveal at the end." Yep. I'm pretty sure you guys recover cover all the things that stunk on the episode. <laughs> oh yeah, we will. <laughs> I'll just give my prediction for next uh, few episodes. Quite a few people think Carol was playing possum, but I don't think that's the case. I think it would be the stupidest plan of all time for Carol to fake being hurt, to fool a doctor about being hurt, <laughs> go into a situation she's had absolutely no time to recon, all while unarmed. After all that stupidity, she'd have to turn around and pull a Rambo with bandages and scalpels, then win against the APD and escape with Beth. I ain't buying it. If the writers did that, it would turn the show into the walking Expendables comedy hour. <laughs> I have a hard time arguing with that. Yeah, no, that, that is a fair assessment of how bad that plan is. Yeah, like it'd be it'd, it'd be the same as if Rick volunteered to go into the boxcar as like now we got these sons of bitches where we want them to. to. Yeah. So, uh, Frack and Toaster has a contra take. He said there will be no shortage of people saying what's wrong with this episode, and boy howdy, were you right? I couldn't read them all. <laughs> uh, but let me tell you what I thought this episode got right. There is a word that hangs over this episode, a boogeyman that is off the camera, but just close enough to fill a sensitive fewer of the dread. That Bullshit. word <laughs> Nope. <laughs> Rape. Okay. From the rape imagery of the amputation with Beth actively participating in the re-victimization of Joan to the squirm-inducing lollipop scene and ending with Beth's walker-assisted triumph over the rapist-in-chief, this episode is largely about sexual violence towards women, perpetuated not only by the men but by institutions and people in power who turn a blind eye or actively encourage it. Um, and he also talks about the level of hatred for Emily Key. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get a lot of actual hatred for no. Beth. Uh-uh. Not like Skyler or the White. actress herself, certainly not. But no. uh, I might not have been looking for it because um, that's certainly not something that, that I share. Uh, we're all used to badass gunfights on TV. When Rick or Maggie get into it, the gunshots are loud. The camera's in control. You see badasses doing badass shit. The escape scene here was different. Beth was frightened. She was panicked and not at all in control of the situation where she and Noah escaped. And I think that way that it was shot tried to show that. Go back. Uh, and listen to the sound of the gunshots when they're outside. I have never heard gunshots sound like that in TV or movies. They're trying to convey some of Beth's mindset here. Uh, everything is fuzzy and a little confusing. You hear things, but they're distorted, and you're about 75% numb to them anyway because you're in a total blind panic. This is all my way of saying the escape scene was pretty damned awesome. 
I think parts of it was there. And as we talked mm-hmm. about in this episode, I think parts of the social commentary were there. Yeah. And I can see why people liked it mm-hmm. a little bit. I see why people wanted to like it. Yeah. Like I said, a lot of commentators I know and respect did not hate this episode. Huh. But they were vef- definitely the minority, so I I kind of trust my gut. I think it was great, great high concept ideas that need a little bit more time to bake. Maybe you need some reshoots. Maybe you needed a bit more skilled director at the helm, uh, a better person running the writing room. I don't know, but for me, it was let down by the actual execution. Yeah, I, I don't know that any of his points are wrong. Um, I think. You know, the 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 overtones about rape and like the the consensuality of certain acts and like who's perpetrating these things was obviously there. Definitely there. He's right. I just don't think they were handled super effectively. Okay, well, that is all the feedback we have. If you'd like to send us feedback, you can do so at watching dead at dot com. You can follow along with our live Facebook. We set a record easily set a record. 450 plus uh, replies in the time that it took the episode to air on our Facebook thread on facebook.com slash bald move. And it was a laugher. It, it turned into mystery science theater yeah, about yeah. 15 minutes into episode had a lot of fun. I'm sure you were getting a lot of action on Twitter at bald move. Oh yeah. Uh, you're live watching that as well. And we got the live podcast or we have the instant take podcast. It's out less than an hour um, after the release of the episode. And if you want to get it faster than that, there's uh, the Patreon uh, support level where you can actually watch us record it live. Mm-hmm. And that's as fresh as you can get. That's like 10. That's just as long as it takes us to get a drink, sit our ass down, and get the cameras going. And the delay so that we can bleep when we curse, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> there's a seven-second delay there. Uh, did you think it's funny <laughs> that they were able to do a stealth F-bomb with a dead woman carving it into linoleum, but they couldn't do it in a boxcar? Yeah, I thought that was ridiculous. Hmm. Yeah, uck you. Uh, well, I wish there wasn't a pool of blood there. God, I don't even know what they Duck, mean here. Tuck? Uh, Suck? That doesn't sound right. <laughs> Cluck? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Fuck this. I don't understand what they mean. What they mean. <laughs> so that's it. We've got a, a, uh, some stuff to talk about in the spoiler section. And uh, if you don't want to join us there, we will see you next Sunday night and next Tuesday on our full podcast. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. With the spoiler section, what do we have tonight? Sam from New York said, judging by the promos after the episode that showed Abraham's group going off and doing things, evidently the next episode won't be a continuation of the best story they just tried and failed to get us to invest in. This is ridiculous. I can't imagine a world in which this is a smart choice for the show. Just imagine them going over the governor episodes with something random in between. So this show can't win. If they put it all in the one block, we're like, we don't care about these characters. It's a bunch of bullshit. If they space them out, what is the answer? What, is, what should they be doing here? Should they, should, should they just intercut this with the other action? Should they make it more compelling? What do they do in Game of Thrones that makes that interesting for you? Well, see, that's the thing. Like, Seppenwall blows them a lot of shit for 
dicing up the episode and trying to keep everyone involved. But I kind of like it. And and every once in a while, you'll get a big episode at one location that's like, holy shit, like the Battle of Blackwater, the Battle of Castle Black, which yeah. didn't necessarily work for me. But I've never had a problem with them cutting out the episodes. By far, me. 90% of the show, even though they're on different continents, yeah. they're in different cities, they're hundreds and thousands of miles apart from each other, they're able to do justice to all the storylines in a satisfying way. And I feel like for episodic television... You can't do that. Like, I mean, I still to this day, if if I'm honest, hate the structure of the last two books of The Lord of the Rings because they take a particular plot line to the point of a giant climax mm-hmm. and then stop the book and make me read a whole other book on other characters that I've by that time forgotten about. Take them to the point of climax and then resume the story. And I just feel like that that it just feels lazy. Like the author's like, well, I got it all written together, but you guys shuffle the deck. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I've never had a problem with the way Game of Thrones tells their story, even though I barely knew characters names. Uh, still to this day, don't know some of the characters names. Right. Uh, had no concept of where they were in the world. And yet I was still engaged in their stories. No storyline goes and away long enough for you to lose interest in it. Exactly. And they're all interesting in their own right. There's problems that Walking Dead has in, on on two levels here that whatever you say about Beth, she's not as interesting as what's going on in the main cast. Sure. The governor was never interesting in my mind, period. And we went away from a very interesting plot line going on at the prison for three whole episodes mm-hmm. almost entirely. Yeah, I feel like they just need to do a better job interleaving. And yeah, I mean, I don't lose track of like if we were to go back to Rick's group next episode, and well, you'd have to focus on Daryl because Daryl is back there. Yeah. So if we were to go to Abraham's group next episode, which it sounds like we are. Oh, we're in the spoiler section. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> so going back to Abraham's group, it's like I don't think that that is going to make me invest less in seeing Carol be awesome once we come back to Beth. Yeah. But it certainly does take a little of the momentum out of it. It deflates the sails a little bit, right? Like I'm still going to be invested in Carol. I still want Carol to succeed and kick ass, but I don't have that excitement that I built up going, yeah, here comes Carol. That's what I want. And especially it's going to be especially weird on DVD, right? Because week to week, you kind of expect that excitement to die down a little bit in the week interim, uh, even if you do go right in the next episode following up. But on DVD, it's like, okay, I'm going to see the next episode, and Carol's going to be off out there kicking ass, and, oh, what's this? Abraham is tweezing his mustache? I don't give a shit about this. So it seems like the problem with the governor stuff is it's just wrong-headed because I don't think we needed it, didn't care about it, and was not done particularly well. Yeah. Um, this... I like I, – I, I need to know what happens to Beth. I'm interested in what happens to Beth. They had Abraham set off on a nice point. I find it hard to believe that that inform- – that keeping us engaged with that is more important than finishing this plot. Like let's say they, – they, let's say yeah, you're right. next episode, Carol and Daryl and some combination of Rick's group, they free her and they bring the hospital flames. There's they, some resolution, and now they're setting off to head up with Abraham. Yeah, that's the perfect time to go back to Abraham because now 
we've had a nice uh, a rise and fall and a a, a, a nice uh, climax and finish to that plot line, mm-hmm. and we're ready to find out what happened to the other one. Going to answer, it's like I'm not asking the question what happened to Abraham yet. Uh-huh. I want to know what happened here. When yes. this is over, then I'll be like, what's going on with Abraham? Answer it, then bring the two together. It's, is that I, hard to understand? No, that makes absolute sense, and I think that's what Game of Thrones does so well, is that they set up the question, uh, and then they'll knock it down the next episode. They won't they won't set up a question that they're then going to take four more episodes to even address. Whereas, like, the question now doesn't even seem to be, like, what's going to happen with Carol. you got to go back another episode, and you got to say... What's what's Daryl gonna do? Yeah, what right. Like that's here? the question they set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they set this up two episodes ago, so now you've got three episodes. One of which is a bottle episode. Uh, actually, two of which look like a bottle episode. Yeah. Abraham's group, Beth's group. Before they even get back to addressing Daryl, who is the the real question here. And that's the problem. I just feel like that. We left Abraham in a spot where we have no questions yet. No. We need more. Right. And we, I mean, obviously, I'm curious to see how their voyage goes. But nothing's been started. Nothing's been started. But we do have the other threads that are just dangling, and we're dying to know more. And they're saying, eh, let's let them hang for a little bit. Yeah. And the fact that, That's like, bullshit. it'd be annoying enough if this episode fully connected and worked. Uh-huh. But the fact that it didn't, it kind of went over like a wet fart, makes it really lame. Or how about this? Take Abraham's group and inject some of them into this episode, ask some questions, and then we are interested in the next episode of Abraham yeah. and his group. Yeah. Uh, Nick PP, Double P, says, I heard you talking about John Hamm being a potentially good Negan candidate, but I've had another idea for the past few months. Ever since I saw The Leftovers, I've thought of Justin Thoreau <laughs> would be a nearly perfect fit. The only thing I know that The Leftovers got renewed for another season, and he'd probably be too busy for a main role in another show. Mm-hmm. But just with a quick image search, I think you could tell that he would fit the maniacal tough guy who can smile while he beats someone's face in with Lucille. <laughs> if the opportunity arises, they should pick him up. Someone else on Facebook who I asked the email in, I don't think they did, or I just got lost in a torrential email suggested, suggested that, um, uh, shit, the guy from uh, the plays Al Capone and boardwalk empire, uh, Steven. Steven yeah. Um, yeah, him, Steven British guy, uh, would be amazing as, uh, Negan. And honestly, sure. it's all I can see now. Yeah. I, yeah. he, does the charming he does the brutal mm. he does Stephen graham he does yeah. everything that you want out of a negan and i really that, that would be awesome that'd be amazing casting yeah i would love to see that uh bb merton if you don't know uh al he, he played uh al capone on the boardwalk empire that just recently uh wrapped up mm-hmm. so he would be available this would be something yeah. that would line up for him that would probably give him at least two mat- years plus of material to work with. The Negan arc is fairly long, right? Are you mispronouncing Negan, or you, is that how you think that's, it's said? That's how Robert Kirkman says it's said. For fucking real? Yeah. And you know, if Robert Kirkman says it, it's it's true. Uh, he did write the comic, after all. Uh, His hometown how, how of Theana, <laughs> how Kentucky. Long is, how long is that? arc that's pretty long arc right pretty long arc it wouldn't be like a terminus thing where it's three episodes and done like for 20 30 episodes okay and counting all right so i forget we're in a spoiler section probably not have enough time to do it yeah probably that 
Prob- I don't know how long. The thing is, is leftovers could be done next season. Yeah, it could be three episodes. It could be three seasons, four seasons. Who the fuck knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think. Well, let's get keep on reading. Okay. Uh, BB Murr, this is a dark one. All right, bring it. Guys had an idea of how The Walking Dead can introduce Negan the last episode they <laughs> make it to uh, DC. Everything is great until they get attacked by Negan's group. Oh, God. Eugene and Tyrese, or maybe Daryl, run to try to get Judith out of Dodge, but Negan finds them and kills whoever's guarding Judith, walks up to her, raises her bat, stops, then shrugs his shoulders, bats start coming down, and roll credits into season five. You get rid of Judith without showing a baby being killed on screen. You end the cure plot line, and you show how crazy Negan will be for all of season six. He's suggesting that not only does he take out one of uh, Eugene, Tyrese, or Daryl. Mm-hmm. He kills he, Judith with he, the bat. He, he impl- the implication is he beats Judith to death with the bat, too. Okay. That is... Does AMC have the balls to do that? I don't know, man. They've they've had a beloved character shoot a child. Uh, they have, but by that point, we were ready throats for it. open. Yeah, sure. no. I mean, if you want to get more shocking, you don't prepare us for it and just do it anyway. <laughs> uh, the only thing I think they might do it. Uh, the only thing I have exception here with uh, is that Eugene would ever put himself in harm's way to protect anyone. So here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't buy that. I, I do feel like we're heading towards Alexander's safe zone, and there's some email we're gonna, going to be entertaining here um, okay. later on. Uh, I feel like that once they get behind walls and have an art where they're trying to re, they're in rebuilding society mode. Yeah, I don't mind Judith. Judith okay. is only annoying on the road and things like that. Mm-hmm. But since she survived this far. I'm I, I'm I'm fine with her surviving all the way. We okay. just have what 13, 12 more episodes uh, of her being endangered every fucking episode, mm-hmm. and then we can get behind her behind safe walls, and she's work. just further motivation for Rick to lay down roots and make a post-apocalypse society work. We're gonna have a Judith bottle episode next week. <laughs> it's just Judith drinking a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ashley H. said, you guys are speculating about Alexandria on last week's podcast and whether we'll get there this season. At the Walker Stalker Con, Andrew Lincoln was noticeably clean shaven. Mm -hmm. And I think anyone that's read the comics knows that Rick shaves pretty much as soon as they reach the Alexander safe zone. So I think what's happening, that's happening soon. I'd venture to guess that the season 5B plot is the ASZ, maybe ending with Negan being introduced in the finale. Uh, I've got a question for you because I've seen, first of all, that seems reasonable. She's dead on. He does. And and he's been saying, well, I'm either dead or I found a razor or there's a flashback. <laughs> or how long does that beard take to grow? Like, how long would it take you to grow a beard like that? Seven days. Three weeks. Okay. Andrew well, Lincoln. you're an exception. Andrew Three weeks, Lincoln. maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't you know can how shave well between seasons, sure, between sure. half seasons. Yeah. And still grow it back in time. Maybe he just doesn't like having a beard in his off season. Yeah, I, I, but but the fact that he's being coy about it, yeah, that's the thing. Like that's you, you can't. You, most people complaints about a beard are complaints about the kind of length that Andrew is. I mean, like a beard less than a half inch long is itchy. Yeah. And somewhat uncomfortable. Sure. Once you get past that, it. it's like is the head on your is the hair on your head itchy? No. 
No, like it becomes soft, and you know, it's not. It's it, it, it just works. It's it's always the awkward stage when you're growing it out. <laughs> okay. So anyway, gotcha. uh, I got a question for you because I've seen promo shots of Sasha with a rif- uh, a riper sniper, a sniper rifle, and with Bob taking Dale's comic book death. Do you think they're setting up Sasha to be the new Andrea? If so, what do you think of the possibility of her and Rick getting together? Personally, I've been waiting on pins and needles for Rick mm-hmm. and Michonne to happen. But I can kind of see them making a giant left and going to Sasha instead. Wondering what you guys thought of it. Man, uh, well, that would take a while to set up, I think. I like Daryl and Sasha. But, yeah, Sasha as the new Andrea? Sure. Well, no, Rick and Sasha, not Daryl and Sasha. Oh, Rick and Sasha. That that would take even longer to set up, I think. Yeah, because I think Rick and Michonne has been so well set up. Yeah, and I, I, I like, I could ship, I'm not really particularly shipping anyone at this point. Yeah. But I do like Rick and Michonne together, and the fact that yeah. she's got that rapport with Carl, mm-hmm. and that they've been through so much together, and they've been instrumental in kind of bringing each other back from the brink, that that developing into a intimacy seems pretty fucking natural. And it feels like they're setting it up. The only real, like, relationship that Rick seems to have at this point is with Michonne. I mean, they're walking down yeah. the street, and she's he's asking, like, "Oh, do you miss your sword?" Like, yeah, that, no, he, he doesn't do that with Abraham. He they're doesn't do that with, with Maggie. Um, yeah. And I feel like Sasha. The problem with Sasha, so so she's saying this because Andrew and Rick become a couple yeah. in the comics. Clearly, that's not going to happen here. Um, you're right; it would take a long because Sasha's going to need a while to get over Bob. Yeah, like you know, a season or two, if 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 not more. So, I don't know. It could. But, th- th- again, that's something that with Rick and Andrea, it happens fairly late into the story, too. So, I don't know. I mean, it's it's yeah. an interesting possibility. And it would be nice to see, I, I think, what with Carol and Rick. Carol and Rick seem like they have a closeness as well. That's the other relationship yeah, he seems to have. Even though he banished her. <laughs> Even though he banished her. But, you know, you get over you get over that. Sure. Um, and Rick's kid killed Andrea's adoptive kid in the comic. That was something to get over with, too. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, I don't know. It's interesting, because there's a couple of prison plot lines they've never... I mean, I alluded to the whole uh, Carol, you know, trying to get into a three-way with Rick and Lori, and eventually, yeah. suck, you know, giving herself to, to a zombie. I see... I think Tara would be an interesting thing with that and, and put Rick in, or put uh, Glenn and Maggie as the target of her threesome. Yeah. If Rick ever hooked up with Tara, Cause there's I would same, riot. There's still a lot of fragility there. For, She's fragile. Fragi- fr- okay. Not fragility. Fragile. Yeah, fragility. I, I thought fragility. you were like frigid. And I was it's fragile. Like, it's an Italian. Uh, <laughs> fragile. You know. It's a pasta, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brock from Woodbury, Georgia uh, says, the oh. Noah kid mentioned... Richmond in the last episode, I snapped this picture about two months ago as close as I could get without being run off, and I'll probably see it during the second half of this season. He included a, included a picture of a modern-looking divi- uh, subdivision, maybe even a condo complex, very nice, that's having a ramshackle high fence. The type of thing we might want to put it. up for our live viewers, right? Uh, if uh, <laughs> can, can I do that? You, you, talk, you talk about this picture where I'm... I'm setting this thing into motion. I've never done this before. Okay, well, I don't have the picture on hand. That's going to be That's a problem. What well, just about. talk about it. Talk about something you've never seen. Okay, it looks like uh, an apartment complex or or a housing division uh, with a fence being constructed around it. Oh, I mean, shit. You know, because they don't build fences around housing units ever I'm, unless they're ready to set 
a movie or a TV show there, right? Yeah, this this I I need to master this. All right, this is I, not working. I, this is a shit show. This sure. is this is the this is sl- welcome to Slab Town, everyone. Yeah, great concept, poor execution. Um, but no, that, that, that didn't work at all. And I can't post it to the show notes cause it's a spoiler. Yeah. Don't do that. But this is like the only f- thing I've ever seen of, of this, of this thing. And it doesn't, not necessarily mm-hmm. the walking dead, but I don't yeah. know why else you'd put a shitty ramshackle palisade style fence around a modern subdivision, you know, unless it's just a cheap, I don't know fence. why there'd be security people running people off and taking pictures of it. If it wasn't that as well. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but take it uh, – I don't know. I'll have to figure out some way to get get this to people. Maybe I'll just be like, hey, look, this is a super-duper spoiler. Click on it at your own risk. Okay. And I'll re-encode it so this guy doesn't get busted. I don't know. <laughs> i, I got to f- see if i got permission to do that from uh, uh, Brock here as well. Anyway, holy God, that went off the rails. Mm-hmm. That's all we got. That's all the spoilers. All right. Sounds good. Uh, this was a fun one. It was a long one, but it was a fun one. Yep. Uh, we, you know, we kind of like dissecting the bad episodes a little bit. Yeah. Have fun with it. <laughs> get loose. Get floppy. Sure. Sloppy floppy. Slappy. All right. Well, thanks everybody for watching and listening. Uh, we will be back next week right after the episode. So see you then. <laughs>